Hey boomers, welcome to Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your online guide to the sensational world of Sega and Sonic the Comic, hosted by your humes who think we're in charge. My name is Dave Bulmer. And my name is Chris McFeely, and we are here with issue number 55 of Sonic the Comic. Yeah, it's summer, it's right in the summer, it's roasting up. Yeah, so how summery is it? It's cover dated July 7th, that's uh-huh. right in the summer, which means it came out June 24th, yeah. Yeah. You know, here's a question, because we always just talk about the UK when we talk about this comic and everything. That's the only thing that matters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, were you off on your... When when were your summer holidays? I can tell you to the day, Chris, because I've got the diary right here, and here is the page. beautiful. I was just thinking. Summer holes start here, Chris. Summer holes start here. There's an illustration of me on the beach. (laughs) That's you, is it? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I used to draw me. And uh, it is the 30th of june was the day that same as me then yeah it's the end of june is when the summer holidays started that's what i was just trying to figure out because sometimes it wasn't clear if the english got off school at exactly the same time as we did over here right in northern ireland listeners yes now that remains a question though because i was in an area that had different school holidays than uh, others Wackaday never quite lined up in our world with when there. the holidays actually were but yeah it was good for the i think for the summer holiday it was likely to be similar isn't it so it's summer mm. and what have we got we've got sega bus tour dates it's the first one it's right there next to the logo sega bus tour dates that's how you know it's summer we got (laughs) sparksters dominating the cover it's a purple starfield with uh sparkster as drawn by regular strip artist what's his name keith page isn't it streaking across from top left to bottom right Anything to say about the art? No, it is uh, exactly what you would imagine would happen if someone asked someone to draw Sparkster flying along. Like, that's that's what it is. Looks a little rougher than the strip itself, don't you think? Actually, yes, and from this artist whose thing seems to be Casanova's-style detailed backgrounds, there isn't one in this picture, so... STC don't go in for them detailed background covers, do they? No, that's true, actually, and you wouldn't, would you, for a cover? You would want it to be a bit more... No, you're going to cover it with all this text. Yeah, that would be a bit too busy to look at, so actually... Yeah, so not playing to this artist's personal strengths. No, really, no. Jetpack Attack, Sparkster, it says here. A new story, Sonic's Great Escape. Knuckles in total chaotics, of course. Kid Chameleon changing faces. Q-Zone special, more Mickey Mania. Oh, very special. Super duper, (laughs) super special. And a graphic zone with Hume's hot art. And I'm sure that the, it would be really weird if you guys looked at your podcast feed and saw that there was a summer special one and went, that's a special, I'll skip that and go back to the normal comics. But some of you may do it. So if that episode has already come out and that's what you did, let me tell you that on the back cover, as it means to go forward, is the... Power Rangers small figurine ah, advert. Yes. I won't go on about it at length here because I do in the summer special episode, but mm. oh, that was one for me. And the reason I wanted to bring it up at all is just because that's where I remember it being. The back cover for, in my mind, several issues in a row. Maybe this whole summer, but let's wait yeah, and see. Well, we'll see. Probably as long as the promotion lasts. Pop over to our summer special episode for our extended discussion about that, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> I've discovered that I can get them for a not ridiculous price on eBay. And- oh, yeah. Maybe I will. Well, I don't know if we discussed it at the time. Did you have the figures? Because we really just talked about the ad. That's a very 
good point. No, not a one. I didn't get a single one of these okay, figures. Okay, well then the figures don't really mean anything to you. No, do it's they? the picture. If you I... owned them, it would shatter the mystique, yeah. wouldn't it? I, yeah, it probably would. I want this <laughs> picture, you know, blown up to poster blown up size. Poster, yeah. Yeah, and somebody <laughs> and somebody should write poster on it, obviously. Yeah, just in the corner. A mighty yeah. morphin pen up for your bedroom. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we crack her open? Yeah. They're doing that thing again in the welcome screen. That mm-hmm. when Megadroid says a thing that sounds like it's supposed to mean something. I know, and it gets you just, thinking. We Yeah, but no, right. So he starts it. The humans who think they're in charge keep telling me that all work and no play makes me a dull droid. <laughs> that must make them a very interesting. Hey. Oh, oh, Megadroid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so troll. For once, I've taken their advice and have decided to sample the delights of another planet for a wee change. Before I depart, let me tell you what's in store this issue. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. It, So what it probably is, is it's just an allusion to the fact that around now you're supposed to go on holiday. That's all it is. But it doesn't it sound like this is... I specifically looked ahead to next issue on this because it was annoying me too much to see if there was any kind of reference to Megadroid being on holidays next issue or coming back from... Nope. Nope. It's just a... And it's... It's the fact that it's another planet. Well, what was making me... Here's what I had in my head. Could this be Richard Burton announcing his final departure from the editorial team? Oh, well, I didn't check the box... The yeah. editorial box so we'll, next we'll look issue, out for so that we'll next do time. that but next time. By the end of the control zone, I'd convince myself, no, it's just that that's what copy is like in this comic yes, now. Yes, I, I, th- I think so, but still. We do have to remember to keep our eyes on that editorial box yeah. for whenever Deborah Tate becomes the sole editor. Because Richard thing. Burton is still listed as the managing editor. And I'll tell you what made me think, oh no, he's just talking about summer holidays, is that it's not the last issue before the redesign. That's when I expect he'll probably leave. Could be, actually. Never thought. Because the new editor would want it to be different and new, and Mm. this is my era in some way. So maybe that's what happens. But let's not commit ourselves to that idea and be vastly proven wrong in a few issues' time. (laughs) We can't be wrong. Not on this podcast. No, never. Edited so that we're not. (laughs) Yep, just another description of the old contents. Hot action with Sonic and the gang. The kid's still proven to be a real two-faced chameleon. Knuckles has his work cut out with the metallic. Alex's and possum power continues in Sparkster Mm. and a summary graphic zone where you'll find out that Megadroid isn't the only one who's trying to get into the holiday spirit. But as for the sort of thing that we are particularly interested in on this podcast, now for some good news and some not so good news. Unfortunately, Mm. from issue 58, STC will cost an extra 5p. Boo hiss. Boo hiss. What's that now? That is our... Second price rise, isn't it? Oh, well, third, second. Third, third, third oh, that, price rise. That makes more sense because yeah. I feel as if price rises are now a, a trope of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it ninety-five to one ten uh, on issue thirteen? Then one ten to one fifteen, somewhere in the thirties. And it makes you. I mean, compared to the original ninety-five p, one pound twenty is a leap in just that, yeah. two years. Listen, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be making more memes before we know where we are. <laughs> And, he's, <laughs> and he says it's not even due to an oil demand for us droids. Oh, well, it says droid, but it means droids. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's down to dull Hume-type things like rising paper costs. But the good news is that STC-58 will be the start of a new-look comic. Mm. Yes. We've mentioned this a few times, but mm. uh, yes, it's, it's now imminent. In three issues' time, there's a facelift. Yes, and, and like, the thing is, it doesn't really, like... 
It, I think it looks distinct now from when it started, maybe just because of that bar along the top, but this is going to be a significant change. Oh, yeah. Like, the insides change as well. It's not just the oh, cover no. copy and trade dress and everything. No, no, the whole insides get a stylish upgrade as well. Well, I'm not in favour of that at all. Oh, no. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm sure the font will probably stay the same. <laughs> oh, it's not so big these days, actually. Look at it. No, it's quite small on this one, yeah. Yes, the UK's official Sega comic will be given a facelift, proving that even the best can be improved. More will be revealed. But meanwhile, I'm off to the local garage to have my rust spots buffed. I told you that even the best can be improved. Megatron. Down the middle, uh, we've got... Well, <laughs> frankly, I cry false advertising. Go on, why? Because the cover promised Sega Boss Tour Dates. Yes, There's that's not right. one goddamn date on this segment about the Sega buses here. You're absolutely right. And in <laughs> fact, there is a call for boomers wishing to find out if the Sega bus is visiting your area. Contact the number below. Yes, there's a phone number where you can ring to get the dates. Yes. These images we see here, we saw in the some in the aforementioned Summer Special episode where they did run a feature on the buses. I yes. don't remember if they included dates, but they, they probably did. I think they did, but... Um... Yeah, yes, the oh, look, oh, flipping heck, the Sega Bus hotline, 0891-555-575, but don't call it, do not call it, because that's charged 36p per minute, and that's on the cheap rate, 48p per minute at all of the times, you stay on that for just the amount of time you're on hold, and you might as well have bought a new issue STC by that time. You know, this did, though, answer one question I feel like I've always had that I haven't specifically read anywhere in the summer special or in the issue, which mm -hmm. was that admission to the buses was free. Yes, that surprised me to read here, actually. Yeah, because the queue must have been around the block. I know, they must have called it the queue-zone. a bus how many people could it have ever fitted on it at one time yeah exactly i've never been on it but i've seen it it is a normal bus the size of a bus double decker though right well yeah but we've all been on a double decker bus and like a normal bus is usually crammed and you gotta like no seats all video games instead yeah that's the thing so yeah so and, and it, what it must be is that i'm guessing the layout is either that it's all aisle and the outer edges have screens or maybe that the screens are set up, you know, roughly where every other seat would be, and mm -hmm. there's seats where seats would be. So, but either way, that's not a lot of people. You're in a big crush. You're in a big... Oh, mind you, you are children. There's not going to be many grown-ups around. There'll be one at either end of the bus. There's got to be some grown-ups in there. I mean, the thing is, your time on the bus must be monitored, right? So that you can't just go on and stay for hours. I would have said so, but... Would they bother? I mean... It, well, that's my... Yeah, that was the point I was going to make, was yeah. I said it must be monitored, but it's a boss. <laughs> like, you, excuse me, pardon me, squeeze through there. Right, son, you've had three goes on Chaotix now, off you go. Yeah, I think, honestly, the means of monitoring a, a child's time on that bus is how annoyed their parent is getting outside the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now! Come on, we've got shopping to do. Banging on the side of the bus. Yeah, I mean, honestly. <laughs> Ringing the bell to be let off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we're making fun, but that probably is what it is. You'll go there, your mum will be like, right, come on, and then you have to come off the bus. Do we know anybody who was on a Sega bus? I'm sure some of the boomers out there must have been. I don't think I know anybody. The question that you're really asking is, have any of our guests been on the Sega bus or not? You know, people we've had on the show who we know. If you're listening... Even listeners! Oh yeah, certainly <laughs> listeners. 
And were you ever thrown off a Sega bus? This is familiar to me. I feel as if we have heard from people who've been on the Sega bus, but I just can't... Sorry, I can't remember which ones you were. We've done over 50 episodes of this now. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. Also, by the way, we have here, for the first time, not on this podcast, but in STC proper, the Knuckles costume. There he is. This was a picture from the summer special, but there he is. Yep. Big, droopy head, I know. Yeah. Although his spines aren't that big, are they? They should have they should have gone a bit more to town with those. I don't know. I feel like they're roughly in proportion to his head. It's his body that's too mm, big. Yes, but yeah, that could be right. Because he's a person in a costume. <laughs> what a very droopy head he's got. Yeah, his nose is pointing directly downwards. That's what an echidna looks like, you know, when he passes a certain age. <laughs> his muzzle just starts to hang low. I'm not... You can swing it to him, Fro Chris. No, I wasn't rising to it. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is he. Um, <laughs> Summer. The Great Escape, Part 1. Written by Nigel Kitching. Art by Roberto Corona. Bob Corona. Colors by Timothy Marks. And letters by Ellie DeVille. At his new headquarters in the Metropolis Zone, Citadel Robotnik, Dr. Robotnik receives word that the Emerald Hill folk have disappeared from their zone, unaware that they've been secretly relocated to the floating island by Sonic and his team. At the same time, our heroes are on a mission to rescue a few remaining hill folk from a Badnik processing plant. They attempt to get by a checkpoint using their travelling circus disguises, but when that doesn't work, Sonic just bashes the guards. The team then dons Badnik disguises to enter the plant, but they're soon found out by the plant's sadistic foreman. This was a refreshing change after we've had at least one issue where they're not aware of the floating Mm. island exodus thing. Now they are. This really reads like it was supposed to be the very next issue after the end of Sonic and Knuckles, purely so that we would have been aware Dr. Robotnik has moved his headquarters to Citadel Robotnik in the Metropolis Zone before the Knuckles story in which we learned the Egg Fortress in the Special Zone has been abandoned. Yeah, and it doesn't work out too badly because we have, in this issue, we'll get there, but in this issue there's reference to the fact that, like, oh, Robotnik's not in this anymore. But, mm, mm. Um, yes, it's been a bit it's been a bit clumsy uphill struggle to get here, hasn't it? I mean, it's one issue, so it could be worse. Hmm. But it does feel uh, that this was supposed to come right after. Uh, lovely to see the receptionic again. <laughs> it, it, yeah. I didn't realise, we've only seen her, like, once before in, in the Egg Fortress, in the special zone, like... 35 issues ago but here she is now in her what i guess will be her like regular slot uh outside dr robotnik's office and her design's been redone now so she has the uh, glasses and she's got the red air quotes hair as well that i think furthers the janine melnitz <laughs> yes it's a sort of a, a metal bowl cut isn't it it looks a bit mm. more um and what's name off the weakest link than it does Janine. Yes, it, yes, it, yes. It's, <laughs> it was purely the redness of the hair that yeah. because I always just imagine the reception. Generals Rust and Bucket are here to see you, sir. Oh, good, send them in. Generals Rust and Bucket. That's yes. Nice. Love these guys. They're two trooper badniks, but spangly ones. Yeah, they've got epaulets with oh epaulets with a you know bumper stroke star post star sort of design no oh, yeah i suppose i didn't really think about it like that i just thought of them as stars but they could be yeah any one of the things and then the other one's got a sash of it and a monocle and a gut 
He's a big fat oh, type yeah. general type. Oh, but it's like, but it's not like the robot has become fat. It's like a dome has been grafted onto the front of yeah, him out of metal. Like somebody did, yeah, and he's got. It's either a walking stick or a riding crop or or, or a sword or something just on his hip. Absolutely <laughs> love the sort of swept back pipe dreadlocks of. Uh, yes, they've got their helmets off out of respect, so we see their their metal bits. Yeah, one of them's got a little metal mohawk, and then the other one's got this, these pipe dreadlocks. And in fact, they're so specific these pipe dreadlocks that it it made me wonder if if these are based on someone or not but i don't i didn't think of anything i think it's just uh just good design the, just the visual yeah yeah and, and then robotnik is furious they're reporting back that the emerald hill zone is is empty they've been sent to enslave the entire zone and they've had to come back and say nobody's there they're all gone and robotnik is furious to discover this and then destroys them beats them to death with a vase it took me ages <laughs> to figure out that was what it was i think because we can't see into the top of it so we're seeing it from mm. slightly below as he lifts it up so it's got what i incorrectly read as a kind of a club top yeah, to it. Yeah. It looked like a club. But with stuff kind of like, I thought, party poppering out of the top. Like, <laughs> but no, it's it's plants and water going flying out of this. I thing. mean, slightly better visual storytelling might have Chekhov's gunned the vase on his table. Yes. They before, really. Beforehand. But, but yeah. <laughs> he just beats them to death with the vase and then messages out to the receptionist to say, call the caretaker department and tell them to bring a couple of large bin bags. A, a, a shame. I think they should have brought back Rust and Bucket. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was mileage in these two. Loads of mileage. Only because of the names, just the uh, the two cartoon generals you've ever seen in every... Weren't we just talking about how every version of Robotnik has his two assistants, Scratch and Grounder, Orbot and Cubot, all of them? These could have been the two for this Robotnik. I think they're two... Uh... They don't feel like comedy characters, though, is maybe the thing about them. That's true, yeah. I mean, they could be. They, they could be... They could have gone for a, you know, a kind of a, an old English general dad's army type of thing. That would have <laughs> been good two. there, yeah. But but yeah, just to look at, they're, they're coded as competent army generals. The general to zone, master. There's liberty there. Yeah, the whole zone's deserted. <laughs> <laughs> Nice to see the, uh, the the caravan again. It's been yeah. absolutely ages since we saw the caravan because we've been hip deep in um, Sonic, Sonic and Knuckles. Knuckles for so long. Hip deep in Sonic and Knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Just nice to see it again. Uh, it's funny. Again, this becomes a recurring thing we feel like we talk about often is, is how quickly so much of this seems to be slipping through our fingers. <laughs> getting away from us yeah. like you were shocked to discover the base was gone for good when they lost the base four issues and after that, it was introduced yeah. it felt like and to me yeah the traveling circus was the thing and mm. i mean i guess they would technically be a traveling circus for i guess it was 65 odd issues christ it's the, i'll tell you why 60, it is. 60 65 issues i'll tell you why it is that that surprises me is that it's so much less good like it's, <laughs> it's fine cool, i was going to say but yeah it's fine but and, it, and it's a perfectly good way for them to have got away from the base in the first place but it surprises me that that nigel would be interested in keeping them as a circus instead of giving them a base like i don't know just having a base seems like a, a more I don't know, it just seems like a way of telling stories that's a bit more interesting, and certainly feel more interesting to me. Like this bit here, where they're trying to get into the Metropolis Zone mm. by pretending that they are booked to perform for Robotnik, mm. uh, and they've, they've, they've forged a pass or something, you yeah. know, and, and but, the, but the troopers aren't believing them, you know. Wait there, I'll double check. You can't, the visit's a secret! <laughs> 
And then Sonic's like, ah, yeah, well, you know what? Enough, enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, there's this good bit here where he what, goes tries to go over, in full Bob Beaky regalia. He goes up to the trooper and he's like, I got something to show you. That's close enough, citizen. And it holds mm, I the like gun that. out, arms like that, gun up against his face. You know what is it? And then panel cut, and suddenly Beaky's clothes yeah. fall to the ground it's like, like he's, he's been dissolved. raptured right yeah. out of them, <laughs> like he's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because Sonic has. <laughs> super speed run out of the clothes and fallen they've fallen out and he's run round behind the trooper already then he just clobbers the badniks yeah i like this bit where he uh, hey look guys i'm in a good mood so i'll give you one clear shot at me okay and he stands between two badniks and obviously you know what's going to happen yeah but so does one of the yes. badniks yeah he's got <laughs> that's the funny he's bit he's got his like, hands you know, up he's got his goes, little scared faces going don't <laughs> And then he jumps out of the way, gets him every time, and the other button goes, oops. <laughs> I love Porker right here. Porker's yeah. raging. He There's no he... need for that. We could have tricked our way through. He looks ah, furious. It was fun. And then I like the next panel because Amy goes, over here, Sonic, come and see, and points to Tails having a little smile dressed as a clown. Wow. <laughs> Instead of that. <laughs> But with that one drawing of Tails as a clone, it's like they have got that one panel from that one Richard Elson story where Tails in a clone wig and rough was in the window Leaning of the caravan. Of the and that's all anybody's got to reference Tails' clone cast. Do you remember Casanova's did the same thing? Yeah, that is why I'm surprised. That you've, you've pinned it down. That's why I'm surprised that the clown caravan lasted as long as it did. Because they who wants to, to see draw or write about tails dressed as a clown why is that where they live for most of what we remember as stc the, the thing is i don't think they ever actually do any circusing no. apart from that one that apart one from time badnik's bridge story That's that one time i don't think they actually do any circusing. why would they have circus skills <laughs> well sonic could well i don't know they're fast and agile yeah you can people. come up I with they could yeah. bluff it amy's a trick shot you know they, they got that working yeah. for her yeah, yeah. But Porker has nothing. Porker drives the caravan. <laughs> like that's yeah. it. Porker wears vaguely racist circus people clothing and drives the caravan. Well, we'll see going forward. Maybe they ditch the costumes and just keep driving a caravan around because that makes sense. I feel like that probably happens, mm. but yeah, we'll see. A very um, Martin Adamsy, I felt moment here where uh, uh, they look down on the Badnik processing plant. Johnny says that must be it, and Tails goes, "Wow, uh, totally radial." Tails, leave the cool talk to me. It is really Martin Adamsy, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, I don't think Tails ever screwed up quite to that extent. No, but, but the general the, concept, the of sense it. of Tails, like uh, trying to copy Sonic's way of speaking, you know, and using words like radical, which in 1995, quite frankly, was already on the way yes. out. Yeah, I mean, and talking of Martin Adams, you turn the page and look at this Arctic Dragonkin looking mofo. Yeah, no, no name for him. But this is, yeah, this is like the slave master slash foreman of the Badnik processing plant. He's just with a whip, keeping everyone in line. The few uh... readers picture kind of a crocodile slash dinosaur yeah. looking guy. And the head of 1998 American Godzilla. That's <laughs> well, basically what we've got here. It's a dinosaur man with big muscly arms. Yeah. Who uh, who just really likes whipping. <laughs> he loves whipping. Oh, he loves yeah. it. Yeah, so Porker says there are 35 Emerald Hill folk still in there, and Sonic drops his catchphrase, is it? I mean, because he's done it once or twice, but again, it feels like it could be a solid 30 issues since we last heard a <laughs> Let's Rumble! Let's get out of Sonic, yeah. which he dropped one or two of, like, 
Ages ago, yeah. Ooh, like, yeah, when they first met Captain Plunder? Yeah, and then like that, in yeah. the next issue, when they and Captain Plunder fought the Badniks on the... on the Actually, on the ship, taking people to a Badnik processing plant. Um, uh, yeah, I think yeah. it's less a Sonic catchphrase and more a you're about to have a fight in the 90s catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, but when he uses it twice, yeah. three times now, yeah. it seems very deliberate. Amy in her flower dress again. Uh, oh, yeah. A, a Corona special, but... And as you said last time... Mm-hmm. I think we have more instances now of Amy having the wrong kind of bow than the right kind of bow. Oh yeah, the full bow. Once again, he's drawn her with just a bow and arrow. But he has also drawn her with the the correct mini crossbow in the, the original strip he drew with Lou Stringer. So it's just this weird goof that keeps happening where people draw Amy with a regular bow. Okay, so now that we are at this point, why do we think that this is wrong? Because... Richard Elson is going to draw her using a crossbow. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, Richard Elson has already yes. drawn her using the mini handheld crossbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, as has Corona, mm-hmm. indeed, in her first solo strip. And I'm sure Elson will proceed to do so again. Mm-hmm. And we will have some... Just, it's just the whole man, the very mental image of Amy holding yeah. a regular bow and arrow is wrong. Even though... Let, we can start a spreadsheet to keep track of it, but... It ought to be so familiar to us simply because of that subscription advert that they keep running. True, very true. We don't keep covering it on the podcast because basically once an advert's happened once, we don't really bother again. But, like, they keep running this page picture of Amy with a full bow and arrow. Which was off the cover of the one off the Badnik's Bridge storyline, which in story had her using a regular bow and arrow. Odd that it hasn't, that it didn't stick with us. But even that story, remember, started with Amy introducing her big, like, Mm. five-bolt super crossbow Uh, to shoot at Porker whenever they were doing a circus show. And then it really did just feel like it was a goof Mm. on the artist's part at the end of the story that she pulled out a regular bow, whereas the script felt like it was establishing the crossbow at the very start of the story to, you know, setting up the Chekhov's gun of her then using it to set off the explosives at the end of the story. Yeah. But uh, the art didn't line up. Bow watch. We got a new watch. I just know Elsina will be drawing Amy again in the heart shirt and kilt in the upcoming issues. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what she's armed with in those. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, Corona's line work on this one, not too hot, is it? Not up to his best standards. Look, It's a very soft panel, this second panel. You know what? I thought this was a particularly good Corona issue. And I guess I'm looking at other stuff, and I'm looking at this dinosaur guy. I just think he's brilliantly drawn. Yeah, the dino guy looks good, yeah. It's the way he's got... Corona draws him with his... This is why I mentioned the Godzilla thing. His mouth quite high, and his jaw jutting out and forwards. And his eyes look good, and he looks good from different angles. And on the previous pages, you know, I like the... Um, I love the way he draws the trooper badniks. The three-dimensional construction of that dino guy is quite solid. Yeah. yeah. And we have this great bit that... the Now and then, Nigel will drop in a sort of able-to-feel-comfortable-in-Sonic-the-comic version of something quite grown up yeah. to do with sort of fascist regimes and so on. We commented on it before. And here is one where this guy is like... Look at us! We're just waiting our turn to be made into badniks! Like lambs to the slaughter! I can't stand it! I gotta get away! And he just goes to, like, run away or jump over a balcony or whatever it is he's gonna do. The way the Slave Master, I'll call him, because he doesn't have a name, stops him, is that wonderful, sanitized, children's cartoon-slash-comic version of what a dude with a whip does. Or Indiana Jones is it. He whips him 
but he uses his whip like a bolo and grabs him around the ankles to make him fall over. He doesn't just whoosh, and yeah. smack him to the ground with it. He just, yeah, he does like a sort of carefully sanitized Michelangelo's nunchucks usage. He-Man never hits anybody <laughs> with the sword type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine, as I look at it now, I realise this doesn't happen, but I was imagining that he was, like, yanking him back towards him with it. Do you know what I mean? It might even be. It, it, it that, might yeah. be. It's difficult to tell, because you just get one panel of him sort of midair with the thing going around his ankle, and then the next one, the dinosaur guy is towering over him, about to presumably, like, eat, beat him up or bite him or eat him or something. I live for moments like this. <laughs> and then... An alarm goes off. Yeah, no, that's a weird one, I thought, because why does the alarm go off? It just does. There's hmm. no real... And, and then he turns and says, You badniks, stay where you are. And we see, a, what is it, a burrow bot, a crawl, two coconuts, and a... Oh, what do you call those ones from the Metropolis Zone? Uh, the ones that are like a mantis, scyther? but aren't a mantis. See, I want to say Scyther too, but that's the Pokemon. Damn it! <laughs> We're going to have to look it up then. <laughs> yep. The ones that look like a mantis but aren't called mantis because they used the name mantis for the one from Sonic 3 that's a grasshopper. Right. Um, let's see then. Slicer. 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 Very close. We weren't close we, to yeah, Slicer. There we go. So they're there anyway, and for some reason he says, you badniks, stay where you are. There's no sign that they're responsible for setting off the alarm or anything, but apparently they were. Yes. And yep, next panel, pop. Sonic and Co. burst out of these these badnik disguises that they were in. Actually, actually, so much for the subtle approach. What's even happened? What what is the slicer pushing? Well, that's it, isn't it? That that is the one thing they've got some kind of canister or or box with them. Yeah, and I don't and they don't draw attention to it. But it looks like it's the uh, obviously important. It looks like the tape player that uh, we used to have connected to our old Spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we will find out what that is next issue. Okay. I don't remember, but it's so... It's so uh, prominent, and it makes... Yeah. It, it doesn't explain itself. And then, in the next panel, they've carefully stood it up. Yes. It's, yeah, it's not... You know, they want us to know that this mm, is here. Mm. If, if it wasn't, they could have left it lying on the ground, whatever it is. It's not just something that's part of their disguise or their act for coming in. It's, mm. It is a plot thread. <laughs> Another Chekhov's gun. Yeah. <laughs> Next issue, Metropolis Madness. Well, that's a bit generic, isn't it? Bit. But this was a slightly generic story, wasn't it? Bit. <laughs> it was fun enough. There were some fun moments, and but it does feel like the big thing is Citadel Robotnik. That's so big that we confused this issue with another one from nearly ten issues yeah. ago. With this, any, point, anytime wasn't they it? show More. us, yeah, because there was another building in the shape of Robotnik's head. This one, yeah, we. I know we're at the end now, but I'm just going to skip back and draw attention to it because the first page of this is a nearly full page picture of mm. this citadel robotnik which is yeah it's it's a cone shaped building fashioned after robotnik's head the adventures the current version nose mustache teeth that are a big window yeah i like the teeth and like starship enterprise levels of little tiny yellow windows all over it so it's very very big there are spaceship looking things hovering around it You've got the two moons, you've got other city buildings. It's just it's really oh, cool. Oh yeah, the two moons. I never think about Mobius having two moons, but we've seen that before. Seen it a few times, yeah. And it's impossible to tell if that was like they decided Mobius has two moons or if that's just what happens when you ask a, a comics artist to draw an alien city, you know? You just get two moons. Yeah, I don't know. It's what I'd do. You remember the last time we asked an artist to draw the Metropolis Zone landscape and we got the 
crappy poster mag issue from Jukatch. And is that indeed the Two Moon instance that I am now remembering? Yeah, it could be. It, yeah, I think that was the one we're thinking of. Two f***ing middle fingers <laughs> is what that thing had going on. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun one, but... um. You know, we're still compensating for the fact that we're just off the back of the most exciting thing the comic's ever done, aren't we? Yes, we are. And, like, honestly, I'm comfortable sitting here in this world where, for just now, the Sonic strip is just going to be his Sonic. And then later on in the issue, Knuckles, yeah, we get Chaotix, the... Metallics, Omniviewer. That is enough for me. Kitching, Elson, Dream yes. Team work. This is where the important stuff is happening. You know, Sonic gets a little breather for six issues. Yeah. And then Knuckles sets up the stuff that's literally going to carry Sonic through the next six months of his own comic yeah. afterwards. Graphic Zone! It's a holiday-themed one. Yes! Let's see, what jumps out this week? The first one yeah. is the one, isn't it? The one we always mention where they have to sort of take one and squeeze it into a theme <laughs> that it doesn't really fit into. This one is from James Annandale from Glamorgan in Wales. And it's Sonic under a palm tree listening to... What do you think he's listening to? I mean, I mm. I would say it w- I would have said it was a phone, yes. but obviously it's not, you know? It, it must be a little tape player. It must be. It's a flat black box with what looks like a, a big speaker at the top of it. Yeah. And big buttons at the bottom of it. Uh, yeah, he must have just been thinking of a... Uh, there were Walkmans that you could get with a speaker on. Yeah, with speaker in them. Yeah, yeah. so it must be that. Must be this that. is James Annandale from South Glamorgan, Wales. Good artist. This is oh, a... Oh, I love this. I, I, I think it's my favourite one on the page, oh, honestly. It has tremendous... And go with me okay. on this now. Tremendous Ovid video energy. Yes! Oh, that's it! I've been staring at this thinking, like, what is it reminding me of? I can almost see it moving. Yeah, he, he's he. this is a good artist who hasn't, as far as... And we've been wrong about this before, but off the top of my head, I don't think he's copied a drawing that I'm aware no, of. No, it doesn't look copied. No, it's it's just a good You can see the Sonic. reference at work where hmm. he's drawn the little white sheen spot on well, Sonic's I mean, head I and circled it in black. That. Yes. yes. Um, that's a Stay Sonic thing, and I love it. Do we need to tell them what Ovid video is? <laughs> <laughs> we could do, can we? <laughs> yeah. Ovid video is a... It was well. I, do we even know? I always felt weird about Ovid video. It was like this. It was strange, and it mm. was a. It kind of. It was a cartoon. First cartoon. Of all, I'll say that it was. It was a cartoon set on like a South Sea island with all sorts of animals like toucans and platypi pussies pie. Yeah, it couldn't have been more dubbed from say Spanish or something than it. Yes, it had tremendous vibe of being like a Euro yeah. album cartoon. Yeah, I don't think it was, but yeah. No, but yeah, it had that vibe to it. It was absolute slam banger of a theme tune. Saffron's cooking up a roast and Ovid videos. Your host, look outside, look out, Bobo, party crashing, so no, no. I'll catch that sneaky snake, cries right below. Tough luck, son. He's super sly. But Broner knows no smarty. Abby was uh, scared of it. Really? Because, yeah, because so the general setup is you've got it's actually not 
Um, Sonicy, you've got a bunch of little um, animal friends living on a tropical island, and they just mm-hmm. have adventures all the time. Yeah. It's cool. I d- and, and, and it's called Ovid Video because Ovid is the name of the main guy, and there's yeah. a. I guess there's a video gimmick, like a TV screen will come down and somebody will talk yeah, to him. Yeah, that's there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like a news report or something. It's more like he's able to communicate with the news, I think. Like, there'll be yeah, a news yeah. reporter who talks to him. But anyway, and then there were these two bad guys who were a snake and some sort of what? He was a, a Sai the snake yeah. and Bobo the toucan. Toucan, is that what he was? Well, I should say Sai was really the villain and Bobo was the hench goose. Yes, you know. yes. I mean, if Sai couldn't have moved around on his own, Bobo's function would have simply have just been to carry him, yes. you know, and menacingly present him. Yes. And um, in the end credits, it was one of these where they just, they haven't really got, they haven't animated anything, so they just cut together clips from the show. And one of them yeah. is that Sai the snake just dies right in front of you. His, you see him right at the end of the credits. You see him asleep, and he gets bitten by mosquitoes, and he just dies. Oh, I don't recall that. It just cuts to him in a coffin in a crypt, and that's where the credits end. So Abby was always scared of that. It always just really bothered her that we we witnessed the the death. Like everything, everything in Ovid video is prologue to this thing we know is going to happen: the death of the main <laughs> the, villain. The- Imminent death and, of Sly Sai. Yeah, and um, well, anyway, just recently on Twitter, we mentioned this, and someone explained, no, it's there's this one episode where he gets stung by these mosquitoes, and he gets into his head that that means he's a vampire now. So he just oh, willingly okay. goes and lives in this crypt, in this coffin, because he's like, well, I'm a vampire. This is what we do. So it's like, yeah, so it is a bit weird. We we should dig up that episode and me and Abby watch it to, like, exercise that demon. Yeah, confront she, the fears. She's still yeah. freaked out by it in, in some small way. It's like, oh, Ovid. There's the association. But to me, it was just such, so good, like, so good a theme tune. Yeah, that it eclipsed any other issues you might have had yeah. with the program. I mean, do you remember a single other thing no! about the program? You know, of course just not. Just something about how catchy it was felt genuinely supernatural to me it was like how can this be this tune and it has a little bow i always love a bow there's one in the popeye and sun end theme and i love them (laughs) (laughs) there's one in uh, shake a tail feather the gang's all here let's get on with the show hey let's go So anyway, this art has the energy of that silly, (laughs) rubbish little show with a good theme song. It was a good little show. I have looked up if James Annandale is an artist now. There is a blog, janandale.blogspot.com, James Annandale Artist. I don't know if it's the same one. It doesn't mention him being from South Glamorgan or Wales, but it must be. Does it mention if he was a Mega Drive owner? (laughs) 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 Imagine if, like, everyone's doing that. Like, you put your pronouns in your bio, (laughs) (laughs) and you put if you're a Mega Drive owner. Sega console owner. What else have we got, though? Uh, Sarah Bateman from Red Hill in Surrey has done Sonic sunbathing on the beach on a nice stripe of the beach towel we all owned. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, a lovely stripy one. He's got sunglasses on. He's got an apple, a sandwich, bag of crisps on a little separate towel beside him. Big frou-frou umbrella drink with the straws and everything. Sadly, his big frou-frou umbrella drink with the straws and everything, that's fallen over. It has fallen over. Fallen because over. This is, a, this is a top-down shot. So, <laughs> it's a top. Uh, it's a top-down shot, Sarah but everything is drawn quite, uh, from head yes. on. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one from Christopher Blythe from Basingstoke, um, which is a guest who forgot the suntan lotion, and mm. it's just Sonic, but he's red, and he's holding a, a bottle of suntan lotion. They've written that, not Megadroid. Yes, shockingly. It's actually, it's not often that the artists include their own witty Their own caption, little tagline. That, I, genuinely, the reason I said that like that was that I was... So convinced it was Megadroid, even though it's written in the same pen as the drawing. Yep. I'm like, oh, and they, they've actually got the correct implication that the drawing's going with. <laughs> yeah. Quite a nice drawing, too. Yeah. It, it does seem to have been referenced from something... I think it's from the origin story episode, even though it's not from when he was... I think it's him coming out with the cobalt effect. Ooh, you could be yeah. right. You could be right, all right. The proportions didn't look very STC-ish, but now that you've said it, I'm seeing it more, yeah. You gotta think back to that early Elson stuff. You could be right. Yeah, and also it's not a one-to-one copy either, which yeah. is a good thing. They've put their own artistic slant on it. Amar Badger from Devon. Uh, oh, and by the way, these are all Crayola Overwriter winners. Oh, yes. The new prize. Yes. We haven't mentioned it more than once, no, but yes. The pens that you, you draw in one pen, then scribble over it with another one, and it changes colour because of yes. acid or something. Black magic. Yeah. What we got here is uh, Sonic is... Sonic's in a hell of a pose. He's really using all of his <laughs> arms to their, to their greatest extent. So what it is, he's stood there. He's got a, a, an exasperated sort of expression on his face. He's sweating, and he's drinking out of a green cup. A green drink of some sort. But what he's doing is he's holding it in his right hand, but he's holding it all the way over to his left. So his his arm is fully crossing over his body because his left arm is busy being on his hip. He's got his hand on his hip. And then... That's the thing about Sonic's design, isn't it? You do need to have a sort of cartoonist's eye to figure out how to get him to do certain (laughs) things. So, you know, because it's it's a side-on view of Sonic, which means his mouth is up somewhere around his cheek. It doesn't come any further forward than that, unless you do like a Gary Andrews. You remember from a couple of issues ago where the mouth would come out in that little pucker. (laughs) Oh, the ooh. Off the the face, you know, the little ooh. That's what you do, yeah. So instead, what we have to have here is, yeah, Sonic's arm from the other side reaching 180 all the way around to the other side of his body to get to the mouth that's lodged up in his opposite cheek. (laughs) And also, so he's got that hand doing that. But, you know, both my brother and my wife do that, right? Reach around like this. My brother, the way he sits to be comfortable, he'll have, like, his hand behind his head. And then if he's got an itchy side of the head... He will scratch it with. Oh, come right he'll like, go all yeah. the way over the top of his head and he'll scratch it with the wrong hand. Yeah, and then Abby, if she's lying in bed and she wants to read her phone, she has this thing where yeah, she brings the wrong hand all the way round, rests it on her own face, and holds <laughs> yeah. the phone there. It's the strangest thing. It's very weird. I pointed it out to her and she was like, "Oh yeah, what am I doing?" But it's how she does it. Yeah, I sometimes we're getting off topic now, but I mean, I, you know, it's not often that I'll sit just with the arm like that when I'm lounging around somewhere. What are you doing? You got your arm behind your back, and you would look at it and you'd think, "How the f- is that comfortable?" But no, but I mean, I'm the sort of person who can clasp hands behind. Oh, but I'm older than I think. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
Well, oh I'm not young anymore. <laughs> well, also, I mean, this arm only just stopped hurting from the jab yesterday. Oh, so yeah. I probably shouldn't have done that. I can't do that, but what I do do is, to clean my back in the shower, I'm like, <laughs> I can go, I can go up and flat from down below. Right, that's visual comedy for the folks who won't see yes, it. Um, indeed. So, but that's not all that Sonic's doing, right? He's got that yes. hand crossed over, the other hand on his hip. He's got one foot kind of up, which I think is that he's just meant to be walking along. But it's like, yeah, he's got it's it. It's the way that the whole action line <laughs> of the figure is swayed back that he has a proper strut going. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it really looks like he's putting all of his limbs into what he's doing right now. They're all going off in funny places. And then, that's not all. So he, in his hand on his hip hand, he's, he appears to be holding... A, I, 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 well, what? Is it a cap? I think it's a towel, but I, I, but I couldn't swear to well, it. Well, is it? Because So what's hanging down from it definitely reads as towel. There's this checkered mm. bit. But then everything before that, I would have said, was a, an, an oddly drawn baseball cap with a big S on it for Sonic. But then it's got this towel coming down off it. There are caps that have that, but they're rare. I feel like it could be referenced off of a towel mm. that they own. Yeah, it could be. You know, got it's monogrammed, and the checkerboard pattern is only on part of it. But then the checkerboard pattern also matches the little fold-out chair that he's got behind him with sunglasses propped on yeah, it. Yeah, just hung off the corner, and it says, it says summer cool on the summer back. Summer cool. And he's got a big beach umbrella, and there's a, a set of discarded rollerblades there. Yes, well. and they're lovingly drawn. I, I get the feeling that this this child may have had some such skates. Well, I, the thing that jumps out at me is that, and I love yeah. it, is that they've very specifically been drawn for the proportions of Sonic's feet. <laughs> yeah, and given a stripe. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming they're blades because there were three wheels. Yes. But it occurs to me that they could be skates that just have to have an extra set of wheels on there because Sonic's feet are so long. Oh, maybe. <laughs> so there you go. Very involved. Well done, Amar. Thirsty work, says the caption. A horrifying image greets us on the next oh, page yeah. now of... It's just Dr. Robotnik in his trunks. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming they're trunks. Like, well, they that's be, the they thing! They could be his pants, couldn't they? You know? Okay, so what, what it is, the reason it's on this page, on this summer base page, the little tagline they've given it is, Which way for the Baywatch audition? Womp womp. This is by Donald Fenwick from County Mayo Island, Meg Drive owner, and it's just Robotnik, nude but for a set of trunks. He's got his shoulders up, he's got his arms out, a scar on one arm, big meaty arms, mm. He's got his teeth out and he's sweating and he's got a hairy chest. So what's yeah. being communicated to us via at least the graphic zone is that he's got his beach body ready. Yeah, he's out on the beach in his trunk sweating in the heat. Or, but it's just as likely yeah. that Donald has drawn him caught in his underwear sweating in distress. Yeah, or just, <laughs> or just in the sheer physicality of Robotnik it causes him to sweat like that and he's in his pants having a hot and heavy one of some sort I don't we don't know what's happening we don't know what's happening nice drawing of the head though I think yes. he's done well by the lips yes we've noticed recently some people struggle with the lips he's done well by the mm. lips and I like the hairy chest too because I never really think of Robotnik as being very no hairy. and I don't know what's but he probably I is. can't decide which one I prefer Smooth like an egg, <laughs> yeah. or hairy like the mustache would imply. And the, and the thing is, the smooth like an egg version is going to be clammy as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, mm. got that condensation you get on the surface of an egg. You've just taken out of the fridge. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. I was just thinking of an horrible sweaty man. <laughs> um, and then we've got from David Findlay from Kirk and Tillock, Scotland. 
It's Sonic. He's going on holiday and he's waiting at a bus stop and he's got his thumb out like you do for the bus. He's hitchhiking the bus. Yeah. He's got. <laughs> he's holding a sort of a satchel thing that's meant. I think that's meant to be a, a full-on suitcase. Yes. He's got sunglasses on, but it, but they're too small for his eyes, and so we have this knowing look poking up above them in both eye and eyebrow. A little cheeky grin on his face. Well, it's not just that, though, isn't yeah. it? it? It's that it looks like he's got eyes inside his eyes. Yeah, it does. He's got... Yeah. It's like there are circles with dots in, in them inside in the big white monogoggle. Is yeah. this a child who thinks that the monogoggle is a Mickey Mouse part of the face? Mm. And then he's wearing... He's wearing two layers of T-shirt. Which is a bit much if you're going on your well, summer no, holidays. Well, no, I don't know that he's wearing two layers. It could be, you know, like a like a um, like a football top, where there's just a different color at the neck and the cuffs. That is very possible. Okay, but anyway, the top layer or top bit, the green bit, the main bit, the main bit. It's it just it's just green. It has the sun on it with your radial lines and the word holiday. Love that. I might try and get that t-shirt. Yeah, you could make that pretty quickly. What a nice statement to make. Holiday and a pair of little stripey shorts. Of course, the stripes on his shirts are the same colour as the blue of his of the rest yes, of him. It, <laughs> so it's a little there's off. There's a certain grass skirt look to it, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I do like this last one from uh, Elizabeth Quinn from Derbyshire, who has drawn tails... I, on a desert island, I guess, but he's sort of, well, it's Tails and he's sort of hovering above the coastline. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's true. She's drawn grass and then he's above that. Oh, is that maybe grass? I, I thought I. Oh, you read that as, as waves, waves, but you're right, you're right, you're well, right. You're right it's it grass, well, it's just, well, but yeah. wait, because yeah, they're drawn the way you draw waves and they're coloured the way you draw waves, but with a green pen instead of a blue one. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah, could be either of those. It's probably sure. I'll tell you what's confusing about any holiday drawings i'm talking about this one i'm talking about the first one that i liked from james annandale they live in a place with palm trees that's where they live that's it you see but you know this one's a holiday drawing because tails is wearing sunglasses and they've taken the time to draw the sun in the sky okay i'm gonna give you that literally just has sonic under i was just gonna say that is he wearing sunglasses for holiday or just for cool dude but the sun the way it's not just the fact that it's a sun; it's the way that it's drawn to look hot. First with a yellow pen, then with a red pen, going yes. in the opposite direction, horizontal then vertical. Good stuff, Elizabeth Quinn. This is a very sweet drawing of a fox. It is nice, isn't it? It's, it's a little odd that Tails's muzzle and tummy are yellow, well, uh, and the tips of his tails are white, but it it still looks nice. It works. It's a good drawing, and I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's a cute one. Oh wait, 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 wait. What's going on with his arms? He's got his arms up as if he's being a spooky ghost. Yeah, I don't think there's a reason for it. I think just Elizabeth, like so many of us, mm. just didn't know what to do with the hands. What she's done is she's drawn the body and the tails already, and now she has to draw the hands somewhere. Yeah, that's probably it. And the, and the right hand is just mirroring the necessary position of the yes. of the left. Yes. <laughs> it's a lovely week. It's nice, yeah. Uh, what a... F- what an odd little graphic zone. Still, it's far from the... We've, t- you know, how many times entering into dangerous levels of repetition at this point, but the, the way that kids would have the same ideas, independent of each other, over and over again, to produce all these images that they could put in linked groups like this. But summer holidays, that makes that sense. That makes total... Of course. Because it was summer holidays. Yeah. So. That's it. Of course you would draw Sonic. Oh, they'd been impending. On his summer holidays. That's one of the things you would draw. Even if... Maybe these drawings were done a year ago, last time it was the summer holiday, and you're like, oh, I'll draw Sonic doing this. Yeah, man. 
Um, when should we start? Um, well, where does one start with a page like this, Dave? What this looks like is a way for you to send off for t-shirts based on things for very, very young children. It feels ill-suited to this particular comic. That's the thing. This is completely aimed wrong. This is a page for the parents of toddlers to send off to buy clothes and nightwear for their babies. Well, well, the age is given. The sizes are two to three, three to four, five to six, and seven to eight. Okay, so okay. eight is a bit. It old. goes up as it goes up as old as eight. That's you know you could imagine there'd be seven or eight year olds reading this. There'd be plenty of them. But but generally speaking, I don't think I don't remember my parents seeing the adverts in my comics. Well, maybe the idea was that uh, as with a, as with the Argos catalog, that you would leave it lying open. And, and show it to <laughs> if you're your desperate to, for this. to send off to get you a, a t-shirt. But it's difficult to imagine the crossover between the reading audience of Sonic mm. the Comic, who would want t-shirts mm. of, and we will need to explain mm-hmm. these, Tots TV and Rosie and Jim. Yes. The Bassett's Jelly, jelly babies. babies. That's a slightly different Especially story. Especially since one of the Jelly Babies is a cool dude. Yes. But... Tots TV and Rosie and Jim were two puppet shows yes. for young children on uh, British television. Yes. And they were made no. they were made by the same company, which was called Ragdoll. Yes. And they were the people who, when we were babies, they made uh, Pub, which you may have seen. Uh, That's right, yes. Everyone compares Michael Gove to him because of his big puffy out cheeks. Pob had big puffy out cheeks. He lived in your TV. He sort of, classically we say spat on the screen, but it's more like he misted it up and then he would write. Yeah, he breathed on it and would write on yeah. it in reverse so he could read it. Yeah. Pub. <laughs> Rosie and Jim were about ragdoll type puppets. Yes. Now, now, these were 90s programs, understand. Yes. So, pitched well below our age group. Yeah. No, this was for preschool children. And the very fact that both you and I can absolutely, without fault, right now, sing the theme theme tunes to to both both of these songs is neither here nor there. <laughs> well, look, I could, I would have sung a theme tune. I would not have worn a T-shirt. Exactly, yes. It was this. look, there were only the four channels, all right? Yeah. You weren't watching the news or Sons and Daughters. You were, you put the kids, you <laughs> put the kids program bit on and it was just there. And you, maybe you didn't pay attention to Rosie and Jim or Todd's TV, yeah. but it was, you know, Within your sphere of knowledge. The way it worked, if you weren't... If you're living outside the UK and living outside the correct age range for a person to be, you might not even know that it was BBC One and ITV, which is three out of four and soon to be five channels. And presumably, what was it in Ireland? Would it have been different? Another two. 
Yeah, but were these the two channels of kids' TV? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. BBC, no, but the BBC and, and, and the other four channels were the same over here, but then we, we could also just get the two other channels mm. from down in the Republic up here as well. Well, depending on your geographic location. Like, if I went to my granny, she didn't get the Irish channels. Oh, right. Well, those channels, when you came home from school, starting at about half past three, half past three. and going on until hmm. about five, about five, it would be... Yeah kids tv and it would start with the preschool stuff and it would go on until yeah. the last thing was a you know a teen drama and it would and it would ramp up like that yeah your children's ward or whatever and then in between you get a tasmania or a tiny tunes or whatever or indeed your biker grove or if you're on bbc <laughs> yeah. when the clock says half past three, half past three. that's the time for you to see The first thing that would come on on ITV would be Tots TV. Rosie and Jim, was that on then or was that more of a lunchtime I, You know, I don't know why I want to say lunchtime, but yeah, that's because, the mental association I yeah, have with it. It was more of a lunchtime. Because I feel thing. like I've hardly ever seen Rosie and Jim, whereas Tots TV I saw quite a lot. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm a Tots. Just weeds and Tots. Tots Tilly Tom Tiny. We're the Tots and Tots TV. One, two, three, boo. I'm a Tots. Just weeds and Tots Tilly Tom Tiny. We love our house, our secret house. It's a secret. It's all right, then. Not gonna tell anyone. Lovely donkey. Oh, our friend donkey. But then by the same production company. So so here's the advert. Brand new designs, totally machine washable, three stars made from 100% top quality combed cotton. You don't need that so much anymore. Mm. T-shirts offering a special promotion. £2.99 each or two shirts for a fiver. That's bloody reasonable, that is. The retail price can be five pounds yeah. each, it says here. Yeah, yeah. So you're doing well if you order now at half price while stocks last. You've got and, and what you do is it's like other things we've when we had early on in this series, there was quite a lot of order forms. And we were talking about how we remember order forms. Mm. A full on you had to cut out the, the coupon, fill in your name, your credit card number tell them which ones they wanted so each t-shirt's given a code and the t-shirts are rosie and jim summer fun they're on their barge rosie and jim are on a barge rosie and jim were a pair of rag dolls who lived on a uh well just they were notionally just dolls and they were on this boat with the guy who drove the riverboat uh-huh. but they secretly were alive that's right i'm not i'm not right to say barge am i that sounds big Riverboat barge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I know. I, I, it doesn't seem wrong to me. To I, say I, I'm conditioned by the fact that it's apparently impressive to be roughly the size of a barge if you eat five dozen eggs every morning. <laughs> but uh, I feel as if what they had wasn't actually that big. But yeah, it was this nice riverboat that they lived on. Yes, yeah, so the riverboat's name was the Ragdoll. And how do we know that? Because it says in the song. Yes, They're swanning along on the old Ragdoll. Yes. What were they doing along on the old Ragdoll? Chugging along. Chugging along, not swanning along. <laughs> Fing around on the old Ragdoll. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie and Jim, Rosie and Jim, chugging along on the old Ragdoll. 
Rosie and Jim. Hey, Rosie and Jim and John. He steers the boat. Oh, I don't remember that bit. That's the next line. Well, I'd obviously turned off by that point. Clearly, yes. You didn't make it past I hated. The, uh... I hated Rosie and Jim. They were contemptible little pricks. Yeah, I can't explain why. I think it was. It must have been that it was the exact age where I'm like, I hate everything for small children now for the next year, and then I'll be nostalgic and go straight back to it. Ah, their curiosity made them too proud. <laughs> The end. Uh, the next one is uh, seaside fun, and Rosie and Jim are just sat on the sea. Sorry, I feel like I interrupted you. Were you going to tell me that the conceit was that the man didn't know they were alive and that they would come alive Toy Story style when he wasn't looking? I, I don't think he knew they were alive, no, mm. if I'm remembering correctly. yeah, no. They went off and had adventures. But, but, I mean, those adventures were like... Looking at ducks. Or it was not high stakes. It was not a high stakes program. And then, a very involved one, Rosie and Jim, good night. And there's just a little picture of Rosie and Jim, and they must be going to bed. They're kind of on a, on a little sea of pillows. But the rest of the t-shirt is a poem. Rockabye, Rosie, all aboard Jim. Gentle dreams, Rosie. Dreamy dreams, Jim. Not a very good poem so far. Uh, not trying, are they now? One other thing. This might have been sent in by a boomer. Sonic the Hero. <laughs> it sounds like it, doesn't it? And finished his run. One other thing I almost forgot. I love you, Rosie. I love you a lot. F*** you, Jim, though. Then we move on to the Tots TV, which was, was a, a later production, I believe. I think Rosie and Jim had yes, already been Yes, a couple of years years. later, yes. Now, Tots TV was about three puppets again, mm-hmm. but they weren't, like, it, within the fiction of the program, they weren't uh, dolls. They were, like, little elf elves, little little sprites mm-hmm. that lived out in a, in, a, in a little house in the forest. And they came out and looked ducks, basically, again, at about the same level of stakes. Yeah, but the funny thing about it is that they... For that show, like, they'd got some budget now. Like, Ragdoll were doing well. Yeah, those were good puppets, I recall that much. Not just the puppets. That house was bespoke built for the show. The whole house, they built a whole cottage, which functioned. It had all the rooms and everything. And it was, like, small to match their size. So they had this actual cottage. It's out there now. It's it's a ruin now. But there are urban exploration videos. Oh, man, you, I wouldn't know. There'd be dark yeah. forces at work out there. Imagine if you stumbled across that. <laughs> you didn't know what it was. And it God, was just like yes. this half-size cottage. <laughs> oh, g- oh, you wouldn't touch a thing. And like some some poor oh. fool would take a fork home with them. Oh, Things would start happening at night. <laughs> Imagine if you were... A- Here's two scenarios. Number one, you are a teenager now, so you've never lived in the era of Tots TV. You wander out into the middle of the woods and here's this tiny house. Yeah. You'd be, you would not know whether to cackle with laughter and do ironic <laughs> post videos about it or whether to be scared out of your mind. Well, I would go with the latter. Yeah, especially if there were props in there, if there were knives and forks and stuff. God. Or the rotting foam carcasses of any of the puppets. The, the skeleton of the donkey. <laughs> They had a donkey. That's right, they had a donkey. <laughs> Lovely donkey. <laughs> oh, God, it's not until you did that completely accurate impression of that doll <laughs> that I realised how pervy that doll's voice was. <laughs> I didn't remember they 
owned a donkey until you said they owned yep, a donkey. Yep, <laughs> and then that deep from my subconscious <laughs> bubbled directly up with no cork to stop it from coming Because up. we all remember, like, my neck hurts oh, from laughing. <laughs> the, the bit that we remember is that they had a magic bag. Because in the in the theme, oh, one of the three tots. There were two boys. Yes, this and a is girl. The, this was. The, I was gonna. If you didn't mention it, I was gonna have to. Yeah. <laughs> the girl, and this was kind of a, and not just like a a thing about the series, but like a leading gimmick of the series that actually made it a small revolution was that the girl was French and spoke only French. Inexplicably, I always thought. Mm. Well, yeah. Tilly was the girl one. So that it was a bilingual show. That was literally it. Yeah. And um, and I don't think it was, oh, in case anyone watching is French, I think it was to teach English-speaking kids a smattering of French as they got used to the yeah. stuff that she said. She certainly had well, it's like one. Yeah, because the, the lyrics began, like, one of the tots popped up, the others yeah. were named Tom and Tiny. I guess yeah. Tom was the lovely donkey one. Yeah. So he pops up and goes, I'm a tot. I'm a tot. I don't think he was a tot. He was an elderly gentleman. Yeah, was- in disguise as a tot. Oh, this is great. I'm a small tot. <laughs> yes. I'm a young child. <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> we. Then Tilly popped up and went. Trust me, Tilly, Tom, and Tiny. We're the Tots and Tots TV. One, two, three. Yeah, Bodger and Badger. But yeah. Yeah, this is and, vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and if she had a magic bag, which she yes. sang to to welcome you into it, menacingly welcoming you into her her magic bag. Sac magique, sac magique. Try it till it's a secret. (laughs) (laughs) You're making it much more sinister than my earnest impressions. (laughs) But some of the French was lost on this because we always used to sing, I'm a tot and she's a tot, even though it was just reason tot. (laughs) But, um... All right, we're really losing the plot here. I might just have a super lie down for a bit now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you need one time. <laughs> anyway, we got some t-shirts. Uh, so she was French, which is why this Good Night Tots TV night shirt, the night shirts, by the way, are three ninety. Yeah. It says, Bonne nuit, Tilly. Sleep well, Tom. Good night, Tiny. And everyone. 100% spun polyester as per fire safety regulations. As per fire safety regulations, of course. I wouldn't expect anything less. Back to normal t-shirts. Tots TV is the next one. Just Tilly, Tom and Tiny. They're on the phone doing business calls <laughs> in the next picture. Uh, but then, yeah, then we have two t-shirts based on jelly babies. I got confused there for a moment. Because one of them says Jelly Belly, which is another sweet. Yes. Now, this is from the era in the 90s when they were given the Jelly Babies individual identities. I don't know if they still do that anymore, but each coloured Jelly Baby had a different... Yeah. God, I was going re- to say sculpt, like it was an action <laughs> figure. But <laughs> each one had a different design. And, uh, yeah, they had names and personalities, if you will. Yeah, and uh, this is the red guy. Yeah, apparently the red one is just a cool dude guy aimed at older kids. Yeah. He wears a baseball cap. Now, it is on frontwards, sadly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but wait, though. Because I think that actually had happened. I think the caps were on forwards now. Oh, well, I couldn't say. Because I have this memory of being roughly in the middle of being at the school I'm at at this point, which I am at this point, 93 to 96, this school, right? And we're in 95 now. And I had a new cap, and I was wearing it sideways or backwards, and a guy who styled himself as a cool dude, who I've mentioned earlier, he was the one who was into the way that East 17 wore their cap. Yes, I was thinking of your East 17 loving classmates when we were talking about baseball cows. He comes along and he goes, mm, hang on, 
he puts the cap round frontwards on my head, and I think he's doing a mild bullying here. I'm I'm skeptical, yeah. but no, it turns out he was earnestly helping me. And what he did is he cracked the the peak in half oh, yeah. so that it made a little triangle shape. And he goes, "There you go." And that was how <laughs> that was how we wore our caps in those days. Yes, yes, with the with the with the cap. Yeah, yeah. Well, perhaps perhaps that's what was going. These on. guys ahead of the curve. Yeah, as I say, I, I really don't know if if the jelly babies do still have individual names. I don't know when I last had a jelly baby. To be honest, Bassets aren't even the nicest. Jelly I'll babies. listen. Caribou do juicier. Jelly I babies. will. I will admit, I do not like Bassets. Or as I'm looking at it now, potentially now Maynards. Uh, but anyway, the jelly babies we're thinking of, I, I don't like them. They're they're too, too thick. They're, yeah, they're too sickly. They've got. Yeah. I remember when they brought out pink ones, and that was a new thing, and they advertised that they had pink ones now. Those ones honestly made me feel actually sick back then, and they all do now. They no, Ugh. yeah, need a nice juicy one, one that's not as. Very, it takes a lot of bite to get through a battered jelly. I quite baby. like the little ones we used to be able to, and presumably can still get the mm. little ones that were kind of dusted with sugar. You know, the supermarket own brand little ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice thin. No, no. Well, anyway, this, this one here, as I said, don't know if they're still called these names, but the, the red one, <laughs> the cool one here with his cap and sneaks and, and glasses. His name was Brilliant. That... He was, you know, Jelly Baby, <laughs> Baby Brilliant. Their names his all name began was... with B. That's not brilliant, is it? Apart from the details, no, brilliant. Um, the yellow one was called Bubbles. Fine. The purple one was called Big Heart. Fine. The orange one was called Bumper. Um, the pink one that you're talking about was called Baby Bonnie. She was actually styled up to look like a baby with a little baby bonnet. Baby bonnet. And the one yeah. that always pulled me up was the green one, who was called Boofles, <laughs> because he was the sad sack of the group, Aww. to make a Raggy Dolls reference. We cannot escape Raggy Dolls on this particular advert page. But... Um, yeah, uh, so he cried, and they were desperate for everybody. Fulfilled, you know, br- you know, brilliant was the cool dude mm-hmm. one. Bubbles was the sunny, shiny, happy one. Mm-hmm. Big Heart was the caring and loving one. Bumper, I think, was the excitable wild man. You know, we we discussed these different groups characters fall into when we discussed the Smartians there a few episodes yeah. ago, and we all recognize these as the different categories of baby. Yes, exactly. And Boofles was the the sad one. Um, so yeah, they were desperate for a B word to describe crying and sadness and they went with uh with boofles well, why not ballin apostrophe baby bellicose <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so he's walking the, the cool one brilliant is walking along in new york city <laughs> something like oh no that's right there is actually a statue of liberty yeah, behind it there's a little yeah along the bottom a little silhouette and it says around him hey baby take a walk on the wild side they were really trying yeah. to make this baby into the coolest bastard in the world yeah so this is easily a t-shirt a seven to eight year old would have worn uh, to be honest like yeah like uh, certainly a seven year old maybe an eight year old yeah that's like a quite cool jelly baby that's what they should have called him bastard <laughs> That would have sold. Baby bastard. Baby bastard. <laughs> and then the last one is just called Jelly Belly, and it's got the green, orange, and red ones bursting out. Oh, because uh, they're bursting uh, out your belly. Because you're wearing yeah, a t-shirt. Yeah, it's bursting out the belly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you can get any of those by... Uh, well, there are eight designs, but only five slots on the form. So God help you if you wanted to buy all eight shirts. Yeah. You have to photocopy the form or send in two separate forms exactly, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's one of those classic old things where you just wrote it down on a thing and then felt you just had to write your credit card number down on a piece of paper and post and it. Hope to it them. got to the correct person. Yep. <laughs> 
That was a simpler time. God, in those days, there must have been people making a mint out of, you know, intercepting mail that had these yeah, in. card theft. Well, and on that maudlin note... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back to Unreality Part 2. Written by Michael Cook, art by Brian Williamson, colours by Steve White, and letters by Tom Frame. As Skycutter, Casey takes on a subway-dwelling greaser gang of horror movie monsters. Things look bad when he's knocked off his hoverboard, but the board crashes into the tunnel wall, bringing it down on top of the creatures. Casey takes the telepad to the next level, the Midnight Graveyard, where he adopts his next identity, the skull-faced mecha tank Juggernaut. So, I'm in two minds about this one. For the majority of it, I wasn't into this issue, because Skycutter just annoys me in many ways. <laughs> he talks in a stupid way. He does all... Yeah, bro, what are you talking about, man? Be chill, dude. He does all stupid quips. He's got... I hate his hair. I hate how gross and lumpy... Like, he's got... He's got a skin... <laughs> what, a skin-tight muscle suit that makes him look like he's flayed, but with this with this yellow hair. I think I said that last issue. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And he's just fighting some bastards. But... But then... Right at the last minute, he chameleons into the coolest imaginable thing in the whole world. Right? I, I remember absolutely losing it over <laughs> Juggernaut for the first time. And I mean, they, this comic has consistently made these identities look cooler yeah. than the video game and its little chibi sprites yeah, does. Yeah. But this is some next level stuff. <laughs> like, it's, it's unbelievably awesome <laughs> i mean in the game juggernaut is just a it's a tank with a sort of little skull head on it that has a style helm with a, really you know, like an army helmet with the point i'm on. looking it up now hang on oh that's yeah. rubbish it's just like a little man in a tank yeah he's sitting in a tank you can even see the little hatch open behind his head he's got a, a shredder helmet and a skull face and he's just got a cannon sticking forward because it's a tank that is not what is in stc what is in stc no. How do we... How this, do we... It, how do you even... It's like if Skeletor fell into... A, I don't Some know. sort of awesomeness machine. He's, he, he's like a... He is a tank. He's made... He's got, he's, got a t he's got a tank for legs. He's got tank treads this is the, the, for his lower half. He's got a tank... He's got, well, there's a whole tank there. The barrel's there. Yeah. It's offset to the left, but he's got a whole tank below the waist. Yeah. And above that... He's a skull with a style helm, and then the rest of his torso and arms are just made of guns. Just guns all over the place. <laughs> Technically, he's got arms, but each arm is at least five different cannons or serrated yes. knives or whatever. He's also got a big nose cannon sticking off the front of him for the tank yes, bit. The tank, yeah. He's also got two sort of hip cannon things. He's also got a kind of, you know, C-3PO array of pipes and stuff for a waist. Yes, the old midriff, just so that you know it's a robot. Yeah. His skull is just a skull, not a robot. It's just a, like a no, yeah. like a ghost skull. And the Stalhelm, like, it's it's so... It itself is amazing. Don't just picture a helmet. Like, the side yeah. bits of it kind of stretch down, like, really far, all the way down to his waist. And then, of course, he's got a point sticking up the top of his head. And it's all made of this polished, black, gleaming metal. Yes, this obsidian armor, yes. It's fucking amazing. The name Juggernaut doesn't even do it no. justice. God. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be interested to see what happens with that next and, issue. Oh, and 
to turn into him, he's had to go to the midnight graveyard. So he's in a Halloween zone with like zombie hands coming out of graves and stuff yeah. already. It's, the next issue is going to be amazing. We'll see what happens. I mean, that's like the last page of this. Yeah, issue sorry, I've had to it, skip but, um, right to the last thing. We'll have to no, no, but there's the rest of the issue is just an action sequence. Yeah. But I, I do remember. We were puzzled at the end of the last chapter whenever just these monsters came up. There's yeah. a, a wolfman and a vampire and a fish monster and some kind of lizard frog thing with a tongue and fangs and everything. And it's like nothing in the narration or the explanation actually pulls it together. But these aren't just horror movie monsters, but they're they're also... They're a gang. Like, that's, that's why some of them are wearing leather jackets. And oh. they pull out now to see that they're they're wearing, like, spiked cuffs oh, and things. Oh, that sort of gang. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a gang. A street gang. Yeah. Which is why their weapons are spray paint cans that spray, like, streams of incendiary fire. That's what's because they're going a, on. Because they're a gang of London toughs hanging out in the subway, tagging it with their spray paint. Except that one of them's a fish. <laughs> Except that they're a fish and a lizard and a wolfman and a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason. For some utterly inexplicable reason. Uh, right. And is the reason that they're from the game? No, God, no. <laughs> None of this has anything to do with the game. And now, having looked it up, yeah, what Skycutter is in the game is just a yeah. boy on a skateboard. Like well, well, it it is a hoverboard in the game. His power in the game is to invert gravity, so he will go up and land on any platforms. Oh, okay, that's cool. Okay, cool. But he isn't this muscle suit like nineties no. X Men. He's just a boy in normal skate gear clothes, green and white. Yeah, with a ha- with, with a, a helmet. helmet and and pads and all and that. Yes, yeah. sunglasses, but not. Not like superhero whole yeah, face mask sunglasses. Th- yeah, not sunglasses, but rather a visor to protect his eyes while he's while he's boarding. Yeah. Over the top of, you know, a full superhero Batman style only my mouth is exposed head mask thing. It's probably the most... Mm, no, it's the same as Iclops, really, isn't it, mm. from the first serial? It's about as drastic a reinvention visually as Iclops. What's weird is that Iclops was clearly based on the X-Man Cyclops, and yet this, yes. to me, looks the most like a 90s X-Man, even compared to that. It's the head sock. Mm. The uh, Iclops had a, a full head enclosing mask but this one has uh, a, a exposed hair exposed face with the goggles over it and exposed yep. hair that is the classic 90s gambit jim lee cyclops head sock that's it then of the moment yeah what i want to know is to what extent was the writer saying to the artist let's make it more x-men or was that just what the artist was doing that's the question i mean we saw with berserker in the previous one that um they just Hulk with a hat versus the yes. sort of small grey rhino man that the, the video game sprite was. Yeah. We do get a sort of a little plot tease, I guess, where he finds like graffiti on a piece of the tunnel mm. that's caved in. A message that says, beware the dangers of Alcatraz. <laughs> and the voice, the voice says, there you will find the one thing you seek more than most. And Casey wants to know if it means Brad, but... I don't know, it feels like him saying that it means Brad means it's not Brad, mm. So, but I don't remember what it is, so I don't know where it's no. going. Um, otherwise, the, you know, there's not a lot to... My concern going forward with this mm-hmm. is, I remember how it ends, because I'm still mad about it mm. now, but I do remember, like, by the end of this, they've checked off all the other identities from the game. Okay. 
And I'm a little concerned that as we go to read this now, the chapters may simply be, it's just the first one again, basically, but he turns into different things this time, yeah. rather than having any anything truly new to uh, to do. And we'll have to see how it goes. I bet that's what it'll be. Because, yeah, this is a comic where he's got to turn into a number of people. He'll do one per issue. He'll be in a zone of that person. And then he'll move on. And, like, the the conceit is always... It, but it's always the other way around. The conceit is always, oh, I'm in a spooky place. Now I'll turn into a spooky thing. I can't really see a way out of that. Yeah. Just have to see what sort of form the story takes. It's not just... So it's not just... I mean, last time it was Casey fights through the game to rescue Susie. Yeah. And this time it's Casey fights through the game to rescue Brad. You know, it feels like they're... But anyway, we're only in part two, so there may be... And there is the suggestion that there's something else seated here that may happen. So yeah, we'll see so how it maybe. Goes. It's just that the the problem that we have at the moment, I'm glad they've seeded that, because right now, I don't care about Brad. He was a... Nose. Yeah, no. I have no reason to... He was a... Nose. Leave him in there. <laughs> So, yeah, next issue, these wheels were made for crushing. <laughs> I can't wait till the next one. Because, you know, that's, that's what a juggernaut does, you know. So. <laughs> now, just before we dive into this issue's uh, chapter of 32X-related excitement, Dave, uh, with no news zone again, and I think this could be it for the news zone, honestly. We've had, what, one news zone in the last ten issues or something? Which we're trying only to jump out and look at news from other sources when it's in any way relevant. But uh, how can we... We had a little update on this particular subject in the very last news zone we had. But just before we get on to the next strip about next console excitement, Dave has a little news update for us from Sega about the next next new console. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, an epic moment in gaming history has just happened. <gasps> of course. Yeah, and it happened. Actually, it happened in May but nobody had gone to presses by that time, so I'm only finding out about it now in the Mean Machine Sega from the start of June, because what happened was, and this is a famous story that a lot of listeners might know about, but if not, what happened was the Saturn was on its way. It was out in Japan, but it wasn't out yet in America, and there was a date set, and it wasn't yet. It was like November, I think. And over in America, they were like, well, we've got to get this uh, 32X going. We're pushing that, and it did all right at Christmas, but then sales plunged after Christmas. So they had this little idea. And what happened was, it was the very first E3. And up went Tom Kalinske from Sega, went up onto the stand and started describing how good the Saturn was going to be. And then dropped a bombshell. And this bombshell was not something that they wanted to do in America. This was a, the, the Japanese company were like, listen, we're getting sick of all of this waiting. The 32X is not going to happen. Stop trying to make it happen. Release the Saturn. So here's what he did. He goes up onto that stage and he goes, right, the Saturn is going to be $399 and you can get it. And they all waited for him to say at the end of this year in November. And he said, you can get it now. Over the road, there's a Toys R Us. They've got a bunch of them. We've shipped them out to all the toy shops. It's out now. And sure enough, it was. They had secretly shipped the Sega Saturn without even telling the shops that it was coming. So they're <laughs> scrambling around. They're, they're angry. In fact, it, it actually like did really bad business for their relationship with whatever the big toy shops were in America, Toys R Us and others. And they had to scramble to get these things out on the shelves because it was announced that it was available now and there was going to be influxes of customers. $399 off you go. And he was sure that this was going to be 
the slam dunk. This was going to put the Saturn, the, never mind the Mega Drive, never mind the competition, because it's ages till the PlayStation's coming out. Nintendo have just announced they're not even releasing the Ultra 64, as it was at the time, for until 1996. So Sega's like, here we go. We've... We've done it. We've undercut them. We've won. We bring this out. It's out now. Big surprise. Headlines. It's the news. $399. And then he seeded the stage and he was like, what's the PlayStation guy going to do now? He's going to have to start jabbering on. Because understand, this was PlayStation. This is what we're up to now. I can't believe it, but playstations and it's not out yet but it was going to come out later probably for this christmas and he's got nothing he's never going to be able to top that bombshell there's a next generation coming playstation's going to be in it but sega has it in the bag now out now earlier than expected just 3.99 just 3.99 that everyone will already own a saturn by the time the playstation comes out and they will like the upstarts they are they will fizzle away to nothing and sony will never make consoles and what the PlayStation man said when he came up onto the stage. I'm going to ask Sony Computer Entertainment Presidents of America, Steve Reyes, to join me for a brief presentation. Was he just leaned into the mic and he said... 299. And he fucked off. <laughs> and PlayStation won the console war of that generation. I mean, well, three ninety nine was expensive. Yeah, and and nobody bought a Saturn, so that was it. That was it for the Saturn. They killed it that day, the day it was released. I wonder when STC is going to do its first Saturn review, mm, mm. or when the Saturn's going to get added to the charts. Mm. It's got to be so close now, doesn't it? And it must happen like i don't remember sure. it happening but it must happen like i'm only literally just realizing now we didn't have a review zone which mm. is the, the i think the first time that's actually happened yeah you're right man uh just genuinely didn't even notice but the last few issues they've been having problems because they you know people are stopping supporting the mega drive it's getting very confusing whether the games that they're getting in are gonna come out at all that's true we've had a few instances where uh, we've had pre-release reviews and 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 things that didn't actually wind up coming out yeah i wonder if this is all part of a single story of the of the games the sega games industry being in a very confusing freefall collapse yeah well, stay tuned, boomers. We'll start to randomly piece together threads with no evidence as we go on with every new issue. Knuckles. Total Chaotix Part 3, written by Nigel Kitching, drawn by Richard Elson, and lettered by Elida Fell. The Metallixes abduct the Omniviewer and return with him to the Egg Fortress, where their leader, the Emperor Metallix moves his plans into their next phase. Knuckles and the Chaotix join forces to go after the villains, but things don't go smoothly. Knack the Weasel makes no secret of the fact he doesn't trust Knuckles, and the impatient Mighty sets off the fortress's alarms when he smashes his way inside. What? This... They are... Like, we've been talking Sonic and Knuckles up a storm, but this... This is so STC to me. Maybe because Chaotix was completely beyond my reach. And so here was... I mean, look look where we are. We're basically in what reads as the future of STC, the comic. Because A, yeah, it yeah. kind of is. But B, 
They're in space. Space is weird. There are loads of robots, not just one Metallics. That's a, there's multiple Metallicses now. It starts off, there are two Metallicses, and you're like, whoa, two Metallicses. And then, when, um, the, then. when they go back to their base, and there he is. The big red Metallics from Chaotix, repurposed here to be the Emperor Metallics. So this is the, I mean, we still only see the two Metallicses, the two regular ones, but this is the the beginning of the Dalekification of the Metallicses. Yes. The introduction of an Emperor figure. Mm. I mean, I already said it uh, when we were talking earlier on there, but the stuff we're seeing here now, the Omniviewer, the Special Zone, Chaotix, the Metallicses, I mean, the, the Metallicses and Chaotix sort of shape the immediate future of the comic through the next six months or so. But in the broader scope, the idea of Chaotix, the Guardians of the Special Zone, and Omniviewer returning from, from his long absence, the introduction of these characters forms the basis of stuff that will carry the comic through to its hundredth issue. Mm. For another two years, nearly. Mm. And, like, it was exciting when we read it at the time, because it was Metallics. Yeah. And then it was the revelation that we'd already, like, like, not so very long ago, we'd already collectively lost our shit at the introduction of a new, cooler type of Metallics. <laughs> but now, this one's, Dave, this one's red. It's red! And it's... The it... other one was still just blue. This one is, Dave... It's red! <laughs> and Dave! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit bigger! I mean, it's difficult to tell how much bigger, because, like, it's across the other end of the room, seemingly, from these Metallicses, and it's massive! Its spikes go back further than theirs do, so it's kind of cooler looking in that way. It's sitting in a yeah, sort oh, it's, of... it's got a whole Davros thing going yeah. on, because it's... Is it sitting, or is it just a torso yeah. in a chair? Yeah. You know? Well, it, yeah. And, it, and not really a chair, but a sort of, like... Load throne, of machinery, high tech throne, yeah. life support throne, and then it's also thing. got stuff behind it that reads like that as well, with all cables and stuff going into it, mm. it's, and it's coming yeah, in... plugged directly into its brain as if it is yeah. in control of all the systems and the satellite. Yeah, and it's got extra little like headphone socket looking bits on its head, yeah. so like more stuff connects to this guy if necessary. Instead of his uh, zapper on his chest, he's got just a load of machinery, like computer circuitry Circuit boards, in there. Yeah. And he's got massive, like, industrial cable pipes going into the base of this thing. He's a room. There's screens yeah. around him. He he looks like the the central machinery of a factory, but he's a meta- Oh, and he's red! It's like, I mean, uh, 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 this is, I'll make a comparison that means less to you, but, mm. but would have meant something to me at the time. He's like, not to stick with the X-Men theme, but he's like the sentinel master mold from X-Men. Right. The, uh, the bigger, cooler, scarier version of the robot who is also like permanently affixed to the chair. Their bulk too huge to be moved, oh. wired into the systems. And you, like th they never did it. But just as I say that now, I realize I must have made this comparison as a kid, just a year or two after seeing it in the X-Men cartoon myself. You could have imagined that new Metallics would have come out of his chest like oh. he was the massive man factory yes. that made the machines. They didn't. Oh. That didn't happen. But that would have ripped ass oh, if they had God. done that. Like, just imagining that in him now, that is happening. Yeah, could, more Metallics could be being assembled in it. Now, 
he's not that big as drawn here in this particular shot. By all appearances, mm-hmm. he's maybe twice the size of a regular Metallic. No, I think he's more than that. I think he's got a bit of distance on them, and I think he's... I'm going to say five times the size, but I'll wait oh, and see. I feel like that's an exaggeration. Do you know what? Yeah, ba- they look like they're standing pretty close to him. Based on the well, the one on the left kind of isn't. Here's my thing: based on the first panel, that's what I'd have said the perspective was. Based on the middle panel, that's what I'd have said the perspective was. Based on the last one, he doesn't look very big. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, but <laughs> I don't care. In my head, yeah, he's, he's massive. He's big and red. <laughs> and I mean, I've always wondered. Nigel never played Chaotix, so mm-hmm. did he know there was a big evil red Metallics in it? This is my question. I don't know. Or is it just a wonderful, beautiful coincidence? It wouldn't surprise me if the one screenshot of the red Metal Sonic from Chaotix, which I have still only seen in that one screenshot Same. that I've seen somewhere, Same. may have been sent out to them as part of a pack of like, look, this is what's coming next. So they might have known about it, but this isn't what it looks like. Not, no, that's the Rich thing. Rich hasn't yeah, it's drawn great. it. It's a much more demonic, spiky-looking thing in the game. Yeah, yeah, and with a, a big jaw, I think. Mm. It's got some kind of name in Japan. Uh, no doubt. Oh, what's it called? Um, it's called Metal Sonic Kai in uh, in Japan. Sure. Well, I'm not sure what Kai means, but it means giant or something like that. Yeah, It's the final boss of the game, it says here, apparently. I didn't know that. No, although... although of course it is. <laughs> I mean, look at it. It's proper. It's a, yeah, look at it. Yeah. It's a really good final bar. Oh, I've never seen this. Okay, so I've seen the screenshot of it. But if you could just bring the chat up. I've never seen this angle on it. Look at how cool that looks. Ooh, that does look cool. Look at that. Yeah. Gotta play, play this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, in this, yeah, it's, a, it's an Emperor Dalek. And Nigel has said that. He's like, yeah. The metallics. Oh, yeah, there's no. Yeah. The metallics was my way of writing Daleks, and like, why not? When you've got multiple of the same bluish robot, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's the single coolest thing in this entire issue. Yeah, uh, and, and and. In fact, what even happens it, in the rest of the issue? You've got. Yeah, like, I know exactly. Right, you know, it doesn't really uh, matter. Oh, I tell you what, another cool thing is that they suck in the Omni-Viewer into their little... Yeah, that was cool. That thing. was... Yeah. We saw that one of the Metallics was holding this little handheld box-type thing mm. last issue. And here, they appear in Omni-Screen. They don't come out the other no. side and attack our heroes or anything. They appear, like, inside Omni-Screen. And the Chaotix can't get through the screen to get in and get them. And then they suck Omni, the, the <laughs> white field of energy that is Omni, into the thing and disappear. And they leave the empty frame behind, yes. which is just haunting. Oh, yeah. And it's empty. It's not not just blank. You can see space see through, through it. it. it yeah, yeah. It's just hollow. It's an empty frame. It's like the, frame, it's like yeah. the bubble has burst. He's not there anymore. I don't know where the Metallics are. They disappeared with it as well, I guess. Yeah, like, so they're on the other side of the screen, or in him, or whatever it is. They're in his personal workspace, yeah. he said. As he said, Then yes. they suck him into their handheld thingy, and then they're just, you know, they go home then. So I don't... There's a big backlash of energy, which is, I'm assuming, yes. blasted them back to where they came from. So, don't worry about it, don't worry about no, it. No, but that's the thing. I don't need to worry about it, because, yeah, basically... <laughs> What I'm being shown here is that the Metallicses are not just a bunch of Metallicses, which normally, ordinarily, the threat there would be, they'll zap you or they'll punch you. It's gonna kill you, yeah, that's it, like, but but they're up to something. They've got tech beyond anyone else's understanding, Robotnik's understanding. They can do stuff nobody else can do. They can be 
in a conceptual dimension that exists inside the OmniViewer. They can travel in and out of it. They can suck the OmniViewer up into a handheld thing. They're amazing. Like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get worried. I like how uh, uh, Knuckles and the, and the Chaotix are like, right, we're all square now then, let's work together. And then it's Knack. Gee, nothing suspicious at all about the fact Knack is the one who pipes up and says, I don't trust you. Now, Knack, I have come to the conclusion, must definitely have an Australian accent. <laughs> okay, I'm happy and with it's that. It's all down to the hat. And he's got the hat on, yeah, you can't have that hat yeah. without the accent. Especially since, I think I said last time that when I was a kid, I imagined Vector had an Australian accent because he was a crocodile. Um, mm, yeah. But no, no, I know he doesn't because it's just it can't possibly be. So now I've transposed that over to Nack, and he's all like, "One minute you turn up out of nowhere, and the next Bednik's attack. Maybe you are still working for Robotnik. I don't trust you." And it's like, <laughs> what could happen there? Looking back on this, you know, because I didn't know that he's not in the game chaotic. That he's not supposed to be there, yeah. Yeah, it, I was completely unsuspicious. What a fool. What a fool I was. I mean, I don't know if I was suspicious, but I knew he wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. I knew that much. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you notice the uh, Egg Fortress being coloured grey this time around, where it's been yellow before? That's it. But no, I didn't. obviously the, uh, the special zone is such a weird conglomeration of colours, you wouldn't know if it was ever actually supposed to be yellow or not. That's yeah. the thing, Much yeah. grey this time. Very Death Eggy looking this time. Then mm. Mighty just punches through the wall of it. Yeah, he punches a hole out of the side of the thing. Brilliant. They wanted to break in quietly, unfortunately, and the alarm goes off, and that's where we leave things. Next issue, the Egg Fortress Fiasco. Can't wait. Don't care what happens, yeah. just can't wait. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah, look at that Emperor Metallics there. It's oh. red and gold. Red, red, and not... Uh, it, it, it's not as clear in this one as it will be in future issues, but red and gold. Gold. Ah, oh, sweet. And then the golds where regular metallics are silver, but he's a bit more sort of orangey red in this. Well, one. because in this opening shot, the lighting around him, well, no, not around it, but the lighting on him is red. So it's like you're never sure what bits of him are red and what bits of him are, are red light. Well, the so whole you... rest of the room is a different color. It's more just like he's red. Yeah. His throne is red. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Ooh, look forward to more of that. Q zone. Q, zone. Q zone is just the conclusion of Mickey Mania. Yeah. There's nothing here, is there? No, there's a. The, what we do have is someone who's reviewing the game and doesn't seem to recognize that the levels are all styled after specific Mickey cartoons. Yes. The Lonesome Ghosts is a particular cartoon I had on video at the time. Mickey and the Beanstalk, ditto. Prince and the Pauper, ditto. Yes. But he's just like, oh, this is based on Jack and the Beanstalk. This takes place in an old house. That was what I thought was going on there, all right, but I forgot to check. So, good. <laughs> nope. You knew. <laughs> I can confirm I had all three of these cartoons on video by this time. Sparkster, then? I've got nothing else. <laughs> Sparkster. Last of the Rocket Knights, Part 3. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Keith Page, letters by Steve Potter. King Geddel orders Sparkster taken to the dungeon to be executed, while he and Princess Shelley prepare for their wedding. The brave Rocket Knight is able to escape and finds some backup thanks to his enchanted armour freeing some of the palace guards from the effects of Geddel's spell. You see they've added a Konami logo to the oh, title bar yeah, of this issue. I didn't notice that, but yeah. you're right. Must have had to do that. 
things felt like they came together a little bit more for me in this one. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, uh, feeling that kitching energy a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, it's one scene, really, isn't it? You know the scene I'm talking about. It's the scene where Ever King Kettle introduces Princess Shelley to his mother. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the rest of it's just an action scene where Sparkster escapes, and there's, some, I mean, lovely work from Page. Generally speaking, we were talking about the backgrounds there when we were discussing the cover and everything. Mm. Lovely work there on those ornate walls and stairways. Oh God, it's incredible! Like, yeah, there, there's one shot in particular where, yeah, they're on a balcony, and the shot yeah. is from down on. Well, I was going to say ground level, but I don't even think it is. I think it's lower down on the the tall on the spiral, spiral staircase. staircase. Yeah, and. You're looking up past spiral stairs, up to higher yeah. up spiral stairs, and those are all coloured a kind of greenish, sea green sort of yeah. colour. And then behind that is the wall of the interior of the of the palace, which is it's got millions of sort of like those, you know, like stone wall rock shapes all over it. Massive circular windows with almost organic looking panes, like that describe random shapes so it's almost like they're these weird organic bubbles that have mm-hmm, opened up mm-hmm. pipes coming out of the wall there that's a kind of light purple color that layer and then through that you can see through those circular windows to a yellow yeah, into the city beyond. outer city or maybe even just different angles on bi- different bits of the palace something one of those castle turrety bits windows bridges rooftops and then the sky beyond that is an incredible detailed multi-layered that would have taken me weeks. Even the way that the staircase is drawn mm-hmm. with uh, uh, gaps in the banister. Yeah. The nature of the curving staircase is such that then you can see parts of the staircase through the staircase. Through the staircase. Amazing. The panel does serve a narrative function, which is simply to illustrate that Sparkster has been dragged out of Shelley's chambers mm-hmm. and is now at the top of a staircase. So two panels later, when he appears to throw himself over the edge, yes. you have the full understanding that, that he's going over a big drop. Yeah. But... Talk about going ham. I oh. mean, he's just showboating and more power to him on it. Like, that's... I mean, you got to be happy in your work to be to be doing that. Exactly, yeah. You have to have nothing else on for the rest of the afternoon to bother with this. Like, for the rest of the week. This is... I, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. To me, Casanova's level backgrounding in this mm-hmm, issue. Mm-hmm, yep. Amazing work. And of course, it turns out that when he goes over the edge, he's got a friggin' jetpack on. Oh, Nobody jet seems to remember that he's got a jetpack. And he just zoops up round the other side <laughs> and knocks knocks them off, actually. So they might be dead. I was confused about what was happening to a certain extent. Yeah, he knocks them... Well, he knocks them off, and then they're yeah. immediately behind him. Well, no, there, there are more. There are four oh, guards. Oh, that's d- different ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's two other guards there. And I like that bit where he grabs on to the banister and then just holds himself in place so that yes. the rocket, he uses his rocket launcher like a flamethrower. And yeah, it's like, like when uh, Nigel started using sonic speed to make tornadoes and things. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. here's the skill set. I'm going to come up with ways to use it, like Knuckles punching the ground. But then we do have this very kitcheny scene where Gedol introduces Shelley to my beloved mother, oh. Stubb. <laughs> yeah, he goes, Shelley, my beloved, I'd like you to meet Stubb, my mother, from off of the Dark Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> does have that look, doesn't it? Not much meat on this one, son. She's all skin and bones. Mother, I'm not going to eat her. I'm going to marry her. Marry her? You sure? Well, if you change your mind, they got this recipe for soup. I must apologise for mother. She doesn't get out very often. <laughs> 
Now that is this, yeah, good decap kitchen. Yeah. yeah, I'm very into that because he. De- I'm, I'm almost a hundred. I haven't checked it, but I'm like a hundred percent sure he's made this mother character. Oh, sure, not he from must the games, have done, yeah. So that's just for the comedy of it, like, mm. and that has injected a bit of life into the proceedings. I think I yeah. find it a bit dry up till now, but the weird humanization of the monster body the max decapification yes. of the no honestly yeah like yes i think up till now it's been yes whatever it was did you say dry yeah dry we're in this fantasy kingdom and i need to get them and they need they want to get me and it's just yeah. it hasn't really been anything and then now we get this I'm hoping for more like that as the series goes on, because that's where Nigel's skill set really shines. You remember in Golden Axe when the rotting enthusiast turned yes. up <laughs> very, very early in the series? Oh, coins don't rot, only flesh. <laughs> there's a there's a similar vibe here. Look at these carpets and walls as well. He's just going all it's out amazing. on these. Look, look at that! Look at that! Where in the panel where he brings his mum in? There's just another window in the background. Yeah. You could leave that feature. He's yeah. drawing a whole other building with an yeah. ar- an aqueduct and an archway yeah. and a parapet and a house in front of that with dormer windows and everything. It's ludicrous. Amazing. It just goes... look, And then on the final page, when Sparkster rounds the corner, he runs into two palace guards, which is to say actual possums. The, pre- the guys he was previously fighting were Gedol soldiers, the lizards. But these are possums who are wearing Gedol armor. Uh, because they're part of the spell we learned about last mm-hmm. issue that's uh, ensorcelled the minds of the the whole kingdom. And there's this great three-panel sequence here where he uh, flies over them and does a little fancy spin just to sort of disorient them. And again, it's all... About, look at this. Look, it's The rest of it's very... As you see, you talk about the, um, the vaguely sort of organic-y window design. But this one then goes in for the steampunk thing, where everything that's in the background is the big castle of Cogliostro cogs and loops and chains, inner workings of some great machine. That's the thing. There's all conveyor belts and things going on. But then it's all set behind these two ornate pillars that look like they have gods sculpted into them. Oh, it's fantastic. Yes, I'm really coming around on this now. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. I'm not very interested in the story in this one, I'm afraid. But like, No, i got to be honest, Sam. And it, I'm not uh, very interested in the drawings of the characters. But the backgrounds, that's what I'm reading yeah. for. That's the story <laughs> for me. And, and Stubb. Stubb is now <laughs> yeah. added to the list of reasons to read the story. And yeah, so he dances around these guys for a bit. And then, yep, the enchantment of his armour, as we saw working on Shelley last time, frees their minds. Yes, that's a bit loose when it does and doesn't do that, because he's been fighting those other guards who may well have come around as well. Well, they're not. They're, they're, no, but they're lizard guys. They are Gedol's oh, actual Oh, so, so they're, they're not madams. under a spell. They're, they they're just, not under the spell. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, then that's fine, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Next, the secret of Gedol's power. So it's however he's doing this, I guess, we'll find out next time. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, no, so yeah, I'm coming around on it a bit on the third parts here, as uh, mostly down to yeah, the continued quality of the art, which I think is only going from issue to issue, honestly. And the addition of this decap attack character who's wandered in from somewhere else <laughs> and livened up the proceedings a little bit. And I hope we'll continue to amuse. Amuse. Speed lines. <laughs> Speed lines, doing. Speed lines. <laughs>
Adopt an attitude. Dear STC, my parents would like to know if Sonic has a mum and dad, because they'd like to adopt him. From Aaron Downing, Barrow in Furnace, Cumbria. Megadroid says, well, how would you feel about eating chili dogs and pizza every day, Aaron? Well, he says that like it's a negative. Yeah, don't, don't threaten Aaron with a good time. time. <laughs> you said the same thing there. Yeah. <laughs> Look out for Sonic's family tree in a future graphic zone. Oh, Listen, we've read the books. We know he's an orphan. <laughs> And we know that is the way it should be forever. And in a rare moment of seeing the light, we know that that's what Sega thinks as well. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that anymore. No. Although I must say, I'm quite looking forward to finding out what's going to happen in that graphic zone. Yeah. Oh, wait, I know exactly yeah. what it's going to be. Someone will have drawn a Granny Sonic and someone will have drawn a Granddad Sonic. And it'll We've just be. We've already had a fit of Baby Sonics. Yeah, there'll be another one of them. There'll be Sonic as a baby, Sonic as a Granny, all of them. Sonic brother Bonic, Bonic and he'll be purple or something yeah. you know? well speaking of wrong coloured Sonics there's a couple mm, of yes. couple of pictures on this page this one from Gary Bailey in Stockport is so it's a it's a few things at first I look, I look at it and I think it's that time Metamorphia was pretending to be a superhero right, version yes. of Sonic Right, because it's a green Sonic. Yeah, with an S on its chest, which I bet yes. that had. Did it? Yes, Metamorphia had a C on her chest. Ah, okay. She was Cosmic the Hedgehog. That's right. But this is an S, and it's got a green cape. So, okay, superhero. But he's got fangs. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on here. And he seems to be in a flying pose. Yeah. But there's something on the bottom of his shoes, and I can't tell if it's a whoosh mark or a stain. Yeah, it kind of looks like he's stood in two chuddies, doesn't it? But it's yeah. but also that I think that's a child trying to do a whoosh mark, and they've just done the cloud at the top, and then the whooshes at the bottom. Uh, but now, because of the fangs, the cape kind of makes the whole thing read as a vampire, doesn't it? Ooh, I hadn't considered that. But could be. But, uh, but, but the big chest symbol. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, the the last weird detail is that he's got one hand up. Like out, yeah. One hand back as a fist, and then one hand up, open, open palm, like a waiter carrying a tray. But what he's carrying is tails, doing a spin attack. So he's a, a ball yeah. of fluff with his tails poking out, which is how that is styled. What? Hence the caption: "A fox in the hand." I mean, yeah, uh, they must have been so grateful that they'd drawn that, so that you know what on earth it's supposed to be a picture of. <laughs> Bizarre. I don't. And you know, neither it. of these pictures maps onto the graphic zone theme. That's why it's not in the graphic zone. I guess so. But usually you find that, that one of the other ones in yeah, the speedlines right, is actually. part of the theme. Because the other picture here from Kelly Mullins in Reading is... This is um, a good one. We haven't seen one for a while. The caption reads, Megadroid paints the town red, also his nails, his lips, because this is Girl Megadroid. Girl we Megadroid. haven't had one in a while. It is a pink version of Megadroid yep. with red lipstick, red shoes, red pointy nails on the ends of his fingers. Yeah. And, well, they're, they're p ponytails, but they look like they're made out of pipes. Well, they're made out of yeah. whatever his fingers are made out of. Uh, yeah, well, they're just, yeah, they're segmented because Segmented robots. metallic pigtails in Be blonde. Because robot, yeah. The fingers of this Lady Megadroid are splayed and kind of sharp looking with these red nails coming out. Hmm. And I'm, I, I almost Megadroid's if... fingers have three segments. So what they've done yeah. is they've replaced the end of each segment with a, with with a, a nail. pointed nail. I almost wonder if it's meant to look like lipsticks, you know? Because... I don't think... I think the splayed effect... Yeah. Is the result of the fact they've added a finger. 
They've added a finger, and they're just... Because Megadroid's only supposed to have four fingers. And they're just also just coming up against the fact that it's difficult to draw hands, and they've they've, they've drawn... I've been... As I was looking at this one, honestly, there's something about it that was like... At first glance, I was like, oh, it's a Spice Girl Megadroid. But no, there's no Spice Girl. Yeah, that was what I thought too, but we're a little early for that. From the ponytails, I'm going Wigfield. (laughs) Oh, well, maybe. (laughs) Who does, in the video for Saturday Night, dramatically put on lipstick yeah so yeah, that yeah. could be what we're looking at here but um but overall this is like not not what i would call a very good drawing but a striking draw it's a piece of art from someone who's put thought into it and it looks you know it stands out as a quite good one unfortunately they have scrunched and squished it here you're right they have yeah the ratio of it is printed wrong isn't it you're right and uh, the way that the corners are all cut off in black as well makes me wonder exactly what else was on the page Oh, I just assumed that was snazzy design, but you could be right, yeah. No, the kid won't have snazzily designed it. Well, they might have done. I mean, it's it's not that snazzy, is it? You just draw a little... All right, let me rephrase that. That's solid black. That hasn't been coloured in with a pencil. All right. I did not think of that. It could have been rotated or something, and they had to put the black in to fit the space or whatever. Maybe, because what it looks like is that Wigfield Megadroid... Quigadroid. Yeah, is on a sort of stage or something being looked at from above. It did make me wonder if this is a shot from something being copied, you know? It looks Mm. so dramatic, but no, I think you're right. It could just have been drawn at a funny angle and they've tilted. But why would a child draw it at that angle, though? Eh. Who knows? Whoever knows. Well, um, let's see what else we got here. Peter Bottomley from Newton Abbott says... Tell Amy Rose not to worry if Sonic isn't interested in her, because I'll gladly have her as my girlfriend. Also, please give her my love. Oh. And Megadroid replies, What do you take this for, Peter? Blind date? We've had a lot of blind date on this podcast, haven't we? Yeah, there's an awful lot of prepubescent an awful, uh, uh, lust for Chris, Sonic characters. It, Chris, it's pronounced, there's an awful Laura prepubescent lust for Sonic characters. I mean... One of the boys, this is sent in by Mrs. and Mr. Hunter of Winmore Leeds. My son, Paul, really admires Richard Elson's artwork. This is lovely. And wrote to him asking for advice on drawing. Paul was delighted to receive a detailed letter. And I'd just like to say how grateful we are for Mr. Elson's kindness. Now that's the Rich. good stuff, isn't it? Uh, that's what you want to hear. Yeah. And Megadroid replies, You mean Richard took time out in between his busy STC schedule? The Humes who think they're in charge should have something to say about that. I did have a good grin at that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice, isn't it? Oh, it is, isn't it? It's just good to know that for as short a time as it feels like we've been spending doing this podcast, two years as children was a huge amount of time, and Richard Elson was already deeply had his hooks in us <laughs> as kids. Yeah. It's, uh, but but knowing how many more years he would still go on to draw this comic and oh, oh doesn't that just make you smile yeah. knowing yeah. that people were sending in letters and loved his work so much and he was citing replies and everything oh and how well remembered and loved his work is today yeah. still mm, that's good okay and if you want to be in Sonic the Comics speed lines section then well you're too late but the next best thing is you can be in ours yeah we've got a mailbag and we'll tell you the address at the end of this so get your pen and paper at the ready uh here in the mailbag this fortnight we have a letter from my cousin john (laughs) (laughs) who says hi guys i thought you might be interested in this recently discovered discarded review zone that never made it into the comic 
Robotnik only knows why this ended up on the cutting room floor. Keep up the good work. We are edging ever closer to my first issue as a kid, which was issue 58, the new look edition. So I'm excited to hear your take on things from there. John Kendall, Mega Drive 2 owner. Okay, let me show you this picture. You're going to love this. Review zone. (laughs) 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 So look. I, I might as well just tell you, he's made us something nice for us. What it is, is it's a mock-up of a review zone where they've reviewed our podcast. And uh, and it's great. Like, he's taken an actual, you know... I'll definitely put this on the Twitter. Oh, God, yeah. And he's written all the copy and everything. So, should we do a paragraph each? Because I haven't really read ahead. Yes, let's. Okay, so, it goes. Review zone! Yeah, review zone! Sonic the Comic the Podcast. Game type podcast, one to two players, Mega Drive. Sonic the Comic the Podcast is a podcast about the comic, Sonic the Comic, which is a comic about our favourite spiky blue hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) There are a number of different features of the podcast that you can listen to. These include... (laughs) These include Control Zone, News Zone, Speed Lines, Just a Page of Adverts, and Features. You can also listen to a feature called the Review Zone, which allows you to hear about the features of various video games reviewed in the Review Zone, a feature that you can listen to in the podcast. Take over, Chris. Pressing the pause button at any time during the podcast allows you to pause the podcast, which results in the podcast pausing. Pressing the same button again will restart the podcast, a feature that many fans of podcasts find useful. Sometimes the hosts of the podcast say something amusing, but if you're quick, you can press the fast forward button to skip this section. If you are the sort of person who enjoys podcasts about Sonic the Comic, then you will probably enjoy Sonic the Podcast. However, anyone who does not enjoy Sonic the Comic will probably find the constant references to Sonic the Comic quite annoying. <laughs> DG. <laughs> and and there's a there's a couple of screenshots. One is of the stickers. No, the transfers. Yes. And then one is of uh, of us reading. It was the icon we used for the Patreon video yes. for Robotics Lab. And there's a Fast Facts, Publisher yes. Wiggle He, Price Free. Sound is 99, playability is 75, graphics is 25. Fair. Yes, well, we don't put a lot into our graphics work, but don't worry, it all evens out to 97%. Mm. <laughs> Raves well presented and Graves limited moves and depth. <laughs> and then, Same. And then, <laughs> no, but also, because, because, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. because they never had just one review on a page. Brian Smale's Sports Ball World Tour Superstars 96 Tour Game Type Sport. Ugh. What he's done is it's it's mostly just Lorem Ipsum, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. He's put little phrases in it. Lorem Ipsum. <laughs> Out for a duck. <laughs> Five. Count them. Five. <laughs> Pound coin. <laughs> Only interesting people who find this interesting are going at it. <laughs> on the Amiga and options and it never happened have I missed any <laughs> and then there's a screenshot of a football game <laughs> sports <Ugh. laughs> that's brilliant that I is love brilliant it. that's going on the Twitter yep. thank you very much for that John that's a, <laughs> a good laugh <laughs> it's uh, consistently strange to me that John actually bothers to listen to this nonsense <laughs> And listens closely enough to have I know. Gotten, picked up on all the running gags. I know, and he's not, and not because, like, because he's not got to the comics that he had yet. That's just he just decided to listen to this podcast. Get in the preamble. Why wouldn't you listen to it ahead of time? 
Well, if you want to send us a letter, whether it's from before, after, or during the time you read the comic, <laughs> or even if you didn't read it at all, you can send it to stctpodcast at gmail.com. If you didn't get that, then there's an option on this podcast to skip back to listen to it again. That is an option that we have if you want to listen to this podcast. And that brings us to the end of another podcast, which is a feature that many podcasts <laughs> also have. <laughs> Next issue, take a look inside and it's a picture from the cover of next issue of sonic caught in the jaws of the slave master from the the strip he's mm. got he's between his big crocodile dinosaur jaws holding them open but he's got a clothes peg on his nose because his breath stink yes he's seen so he's had enough time to get a clothes peg and put it on his nose sonic in the great escape part two kid chameleon ghostly goings on apostrophe in that one that's not right mm. knuckles continuing chaotic Baxter, here comes the bride a double page pinup of knuckles for the troops on sale Saturday, eighth <laughs> of July, nineteen ninety-five. A sniff at one pound fifteen. Yeah, for now. Yeah, I know it feels wrong to be actually saying things like a sniff and flagging up the yeah. good value of the price when you've just told us it's going to change in like three issues' time. Yeah, but the price of this podcast will never change uh, as <laughs> long as we can help it as long as things work out okay <laughs> and when you're looking for the next episode or any of our past episodes you'll be able to find the most places good podcasts are available or you can download them directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com yep and if you want alerts of this to be dropped into your twitter feed then you can follow the podcast at at sonic podcast or you can follow us independently i'm at demon tomato dave and i am at chris mcfeely and you know if you do want to spend a little money on this podcast you can do that out of the goodness of your own heart yeah you can support the show at patreon.com slash stctp where a donation of any amount will get you access to our bonus content we're putting out two videos a month one where we look at the martin adams novels that were published in the uk and another where dave reads me his turgid fan fiction from the mid 90s from right around the same time in fact we have almost dated it precisely at this point haven't we then yes to right around now Mm. this horrible star trek apocalypse (laughs) blood and guts Oh, and it's ocean. just got no, blood and guts it's just as well. Gotten, Whoa, oh, got into some oh, good blood and guts God, bits. Geez. Good blood and guts Air fans. Good. Whoo, that's there if you want it. Go get it. <laughs> and the proceeds from that will go towards paying our editor Sam, whose work you can find at samgabrielvo.com. Our theme song is Synchronize from Sonic the Comic The Band, who you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic The Podcast, and we will see you next time. There's got to be some grown-ups in there. I mean, the thing is, your time on the bus must bus must bus. Your time on the bus must be monitored, right? Time on the bus bus. Time must time the bus. Time on the bus must. Cut the monitors. Your time on the bus must bus must bus. Your time on the bus must be monitored, right? Time on the bus bus. Time must time the bus. Time on the bus must. Cut the monitors.